Tom Chick. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast, where this week we will be discussing and spoiling <laughs> Devil. Uh, I am joined by Christian Mis- Milin- Miller Millerski? Christian Millerski, I think I got that right. Christian, how are you? My my mother always said I was G. Carson. I don't know what that is. Racist? <laughs> it's not from Devil, is it? <laughs> no, I almost I almost switched to Frank Black just then, just for fun. <laughs> uh, I am also joined by Kelly Wand, who hopefully has a, a Devil-related tagline. Do you have a fun one, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Uh, if Idle Hands be the Devil's Workshop, the only way to paradise is watching a lot of porn. Wow, okay. Okay. Hey, was Dingus being racist by suggesting that hell is Mexico with that accent? Is that what he was trying to say? Mexico. Is that racism? I didn't understand that one. I don't know. Was that a machete tie-in, Dingus? No. Okay. No, it was not. I don't know. G. Carson wasn't... Never mind. Uh, that, I'm assuming that's either... Uh, maybe that's a sports thing. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, G. Carson did a bang-up job in this movie. Who's G. Carson? I don't even know who that oh, is. Tom. I'm upset at you. G. Carson? He's the elevator inspector. Very good. Oh, Tom. very good. Right. I didn't take notes during that part. Right. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Well, Kelly Wan, just to make sure we drive off everyone who has not seen the movie, why don't you spoil it for That's everyone? That's a lot of people, too. <laughs> didn't it, it did well this weekend, didn't it? No, it did. Uh, dude, there were three people in the theater with me, and they were all devils. But it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Isn't that worth something? Yeah, everyone remembers Airbender. <laughs> okay. And there's no water in this movie. Oh, yeah, there is. Never mind. And, and actually, I feel bad saying water. that. It's not... He only produced it. Like, I didn't... I, and, you know, it's in Philadelphia. Yeah, and, it's only called The Night Chronicles Part 1. So he's He came up with the story, too. The story is his story, and he produced it. it, it you know, that's not... But I didn't... I felt like it was most... The for the most part... The is all over it. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. But let's go, Kelly. Wand, why don't you explain this movie to people who might not have seen it, so that they don't need to just spoil it. Go ahead. Really? You want yes. to spoil it? Absolutely. Oh, you the, mean a, a dopsis? A detailed synopsis. Yes. A devilopsis. All right, Tom All right. and Dingus in that order. <laughs> so uh, here comes the devilopsis. Uh, <clears throat> so the devil possesses this elevator shaft. After making a woman fall off the building's roof on top of a bread truck, in accordance with prophecy. And uh, this one elevator is crowded with movie extras, so five main character actors get on the next one. Uh, <laughs> a creepy ethnic dude who's running the classic illegal mattress Ponzi scheme. Uh, a hot, bitchy brunette who can bite her own back. Uh, claustrophobic black security guard with no walkie-talkie pen or weapon. Uh, <laughs> white guy who left his tools in the bathroom because he brought them to his job interview for some reason and got them past security somehow. And a creepy old woman I think I slept with this one time in Austin. <laughs> anyway, uh... <clears throat> that was the end. Now, I wanted to see what would happen if I stopped. So their elevator gets stuck, and this uh, Mexican security guy, played by Dingus, he's watching on camera monitors. He realizes one of them's the devil by throwing his toast jelly side down to the floor, pointing out that it's jelly side down. <laughs> or it's prophecy. 
kind of like when Tom picked this movie over the town when he flipped a slice of toast last week on <laughs> the podcast. And so this cop who uh, lost his family to a hit and run, who laughed at the Mexican at first because he thinks people who see Jesus on pancakes are nuts, goes, well, this is toast. So he keeps asking him how the story his grandmother told him when he was a kid ends. And the Mexican guy tells him that grandma would tuck him in every night by saying that everybody dies. <laughs> so uh, this one guard lowers himself into the shaft, but a pigeon makes his metal hooks and cables all break, so he dies. <laughs> and another guard learns that water conducts electricity. <laughs> so the cops all, let's try some firemen. So uh, the brunette pretends that the mattress guy slapped her ass just to confuse them all and us. But then a devil starts killing them off until only the two white people are left because the devil's racist. But then you find out the old woman's the devil because her pepper spray dates back from 1987 in accordance with prophecy. But the uh, blonde guy confesses that he was the hit-and-run driver, so the devil can't kill him because when she confess... You just get a free pass from God. And the cop forgives him for killing his family and for not being able to catch him using police work, but then the devil to harass the confession out of him. And then the world turns right side up, and uh, God's agenda's been served, just like in Legion and Book of Eli and I Am Legend and Corvette Summer and Cube in the village. The end. Whew. All right, very nice, Kelly Wand. In accordance with prophecy. Now, uh, will you field some, will you field some Q and A for us? Yeah, yeah. So, she, the devil did not whack the the girl on the butt. That was her pretending purposefully. Yeah, it's on the video. The video never lies. That's what we learned from Book of Shadows. Can 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 the cop guy see that the old lady, like when the old lady, as as the devil is talking to the the war veteran dude, can the cop see that stuff on the video? No, because like, he's out with he's out by the wall now. But none of that stuff's on the video, right? Uh, like the old lady getting up with her eyes all black. Like is that stuff on the video? Is there is that what I'm curious about? Is there photographic evidence that the old lady is the devil? Hmm. Well, she's on the video and she disappears. Well, right. She's you're right. The, the lights are on when she does when she comes out. Like that's basically all in his head. Like that's that's his dialogue with the devil at the moment of his death, right? No, we don't know that. I think it's on the video too. It is on the video. Okay. Uh, we just don't see it because it's not important. All right. So then, what? So, but I think the devil did like smack her on the butt. Like I don't think she was trying to sow any sort of dissension. I think that that was the devil. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think that was her intentionally trying to, to mess anything up in the elevator. Or was she? Like, she just didn't like that guy and she wanted the rest of them to hate him? She was, well, she was legitimately the old woman's the devil. We don't see the old woman slap her in the butt. Yeah, so the, devil has, the devil has invisible hands and can do things. No. no the, devil, the devil has power to slap a pleasing ass. <laughs> Is that in Leviticus? It's from Hamlet, actually. Uh, so okay, but so I guess that makes sense because she really is a twist, and she's doing her twist stuff like early on, and that right. that's an element of it. Okay, fair enough. All right. And the guy's claustrophobia goes on and off. Just because I actually I I bought his explanation there that you know he he kind of has bigger things to worry about. 
Like if you're if you're afraid of spiders and someone is like a killer with a knife or something is chasing you, you're not going to be as worried about spiders as you are worried about the killer with a knife. Like I bought Bokeem Woodbine's explanation. Uh, he that has a record for assault. He's been caught assaulting, which means he confessed to assaulting, which means he should be off the hook too, because he confessed probably or maybe. He yeah. served his time in, in jail, so he should be off the hook. Yeah, but I don't think I don't I don't know. Like it was just the devil, just getting a collection of people to mess with them. I mean, they weren't all, all out like flat out evil. They had just done bad things, and so the devil's assembling them. No, no, yeah, no. The guy no, did no, the no. worst thing gets off scot free. The message insane. of this movie is as hard as this is to believe that the devil, the devil's agenda is to torture guilty people for some reason in. I thought that was God's they're, dude. They're all guilty. They're all guilty scumbags. That's what we're supposed to believe. And and somehow this movie's message is that it pleases the devil nothing more than to get them all together and make them kill each other. Which is just... They don't kill each other. Yeah. The devil kills kill them. Each. Yeah. Right, right. Well, to get them all together and kill and them. And torment. Them. Right, right. And torment yeah. them and they all... Right, yeah. Uh, how's that different By from what I was saying, them. though? What would you say? How's that different from what I was saying, though? Because I think I agree with that. <laughs> oh, all right. But I, 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 I'm not clear. Well, before we we parse the rules of what actually happened and why the one dude got got off the hook. Uh, and the security guys, what are their crimes? Oh, well, the devil did what let the torment the, no, no, no. the, the, the Hispanic uh, Cassandra, he did point out that the devil likes to torment and kill innocent people as well. Oh, okay. And he also has a specific reason for them being the audience. I mean, the the rules right. of the story are that that innocents are going to be killed, and he he specifically wants us to be watching. Right. He never does. He can kill everyone except a guy who just confessed to a hit. Well, no, no. See, the, the, the guy's allowed to live. But see, that guy somehow found a loophole that I want to explore at some point. But but it's clearly established that you know he never does this in secret. There's a reason we're the audience. That's the quote that the Hispanic fellow says. And then also. He's going to kill the last person in front of someone that he loves. The one who loves him the most. Right, right, right. So when the the woman, no, the woman shows up and sees the Iraqi, I guess he was in Afghanistan, and sees the vet on the the camera and says, oh, my God, that's my fiancé. And at that point, that's when he's supposed to die. But for whatever reason, he gets through a loophole. So everything's going according to plan. It's going just perfectly. Uh, And the woman shows up, and at that point, the last guy is supposed to die. But for whatever reason... So she sees the devil, then, because if she's there for that moment. Well, that's what I was curious about, is I don't, I don't know that the old woman's... Like, I don't think the old woman rising from the dead... I, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming that's not on videotape. Like, the videotape, it, it does little glitches, but it never clearly, incontrovertibly shows, you know, the devil doing these things. It looks like the devil's doing the stuff, like, from hiding, like when the lights are out. And, you know, the little face bleeds through, and there's little glitches where the videotape shows them all massacred. But I'm assuming there's not a clear shot of the woman rising, talking to the war veteran. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the movie actually clues us It's something. a good question, and the fact that they didn't consider that question makes the movie suck. No, I, don't, I, don't, I think that's I, the least of this movie's problems. I don't think it's that they didn't consider it. I just think it's not really... It matters. It, it matters, and I think that if it were on the tape, that it, it would be shown. You know, one one of the things I did like about the movie is when somebody thinks he sees a creepy face, 
it's not, oh, we don't believe you, you're crazy, and then he can't find it. He actually calls it up. I like that. When uh, he, he thought he saw the face, and he could go to that frame, and, yeah, there's something weird and creepy there. And, and he that show it to other people. You, you do see her, then. Well, that's what I'm saying, is I think that if you could see her, if she were captured on film, the movie would have let us know that. And I think the way the lighting was during that final scene... Uh, suggests that there was some sort of hyper-reality or a frozen moment in time or whatever. Uh, he's on a walkie-talkie, though. Right, and she's but I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think... Well, okay. I mean, I just think that if she were risen from the dead and that were shown on the videotape, the movie would have let us know about that. Uh, it should have shown us that in a final twist at the end. Well, but I think that... I mean, the, the, clearly the, the big mystery that's going to haunt the cop here is that this woman did just vanish. This unidentified woman. Nobody knew her name, you know. Uh, Jane Kowski. No, no. See, that was the, the war veteran's last name was Jankowski. The woman didn't sign in. Her name... She, she was a mysterious... She was the name they couldn't place that for a while they thought was, was him. Um, that that was a little bit of misdirection, which I, I kind of liked. That they, they thought she was Jane Kowski, and then this guy, they couldn't figure out who it was, but they eventually figured out, oh, his name is Jankowski. It's not a Jane Kowski. So the old woman was the mysterious one who they couldn't identify, and then she vanishes. Uh-huh. Mm, she can vanish. So let, let's then talk. So, Dingus, you think this movie has a lot of problems. Uh, what are these? What is chief amongst these problems? Uh, chief amongst these problems is, is it does not have any clue um, where it should be set. Because I thought it was set in a skyscraper in Philadelphia. Uh, it is set in a skyscraper in Philadelphia. And, and all movies about devils inhabiting people should be in Philadelphia, I think, from here on out. <laughs> uh, this and Fallen being chief among them. Um, I think this movie needed uh, much more um, paranormal activity and far less Fallen. Yeah, it should have been found video. I think, that's, I think that's the movie that it wants to be. And, and in, in looking at... Uh, and the primary thing I, I think about this, and I, I sort of curse you guys for making me watch... Uh, this, <laughs> given what, uh, given that I just only looked at what else this director has done well after the fact, given that I only looked at it today, and then I went and looked at another movie. I just, I just, fin- I, I'm a little freaked out right now. I, I apologize. I just finished watching another movie that uh, just was fantastic and really has me a little on edge, and that that this. This particular director had two shots at at making the right kind of movie and missed it both times, apparently, uh, is phenomenal to me. Because I think that this movie is screaming out either to be a found footage type of film or to be in the elevator. Uh, because every time we leave the elevator for those sweeping um, second unit shots of the stormy city, the storm that's coming, there's a storm coming that's not going to have any, you know, impact on the story whatsoever, the tension completely drops for me. And as much as I liked the Detective Bowden, as much as I liked that actor, um, I, I just, I think that this movie just didn't have the balls to be in the elevator and it should have been in the elevator the whole time. I, I, I couldn't disagree more with that. I, I get what you're saying, Dingus, in that it could have been a different kind of movie and that could have been a cool movie, but I think that's a little unfair. Um, 
to me, the arc of the movie, and I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and go on record and say that I like this. Uh, I, I was pretty uh, fond of that. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> how about that? You're so weird. So, well, to me, the arc of the movie, I mean, it's important that the, the, the movie is ultimately, and, and, and my criticism is, is that it's not more about this, but the movie is ultimately about the, the character arc for the detective. It's ultimately about his forgiveness uh, and him learning to forgive. I mean, it opens with his conversation with his sponsor, which I have tuned out because I was like, okay, we're going to see a disaster movie. We're going to meet the different characters. They're, they're all going to die. One of them's going to be the devil. I mean, I was sort of expecting everybody was going to get this sort of exposition. So when he's talking to his sponsor, I kind of tuned it out. But it was only at the end I was like, oh, yeah, they were talking about forgiveness. And I, I think it's important to, to sort of realize that that's what the movie is getting at, is that ultimately what this is about is this guy witnesses this stuff, and even though the devil was there to create this terrible stuff, there was this almost divine coincidence so that it becomes about the redemption of one man. And that one man was outside of the elevator, and he was a witness to this. And I love the fact also that it opens with the narration. And you couldn't do this, Dingus, if you wanted a movie like you're talking about that's only in the elevator. I love the fact that it opens with narration from a character we don't know and who we don't meet for a while. Um, and his background and his story, you know, is this, this folklore. This folklore is an important part of the story as well. That's uh, also kind of like a, a narrative framework, like a device that wraps up the movie. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, and I can imagine a movie like you're talking about, but I don't think, I, I think this movie was very clear that it, for the reasons that it didn't stay just in the elevator, and those reasons I think are important and are part of what I really liked about the movie. Mm. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, get in here. What is that? Why uh, do, what, what do you think are the big problems with the movie, Kelly Wand? I liked the cop character too, but the elevator's the money. And mm-hmm. it's people I didn't give a shit about not dying soon enough. I did like the opening credits. They made me really queasy. Yep. And they, they put me on edge. And uh, I, I just didn't believe in any of those, those characters in the elevator. I didn't, they, they, they weren't authentic. They were all types. Finding out that they all have histories. I just, there's no... <laughs> I, I agree that that's, and that's part of why I was early on thinking of it as a disaster movie. Uh, you know, like some Irwin Allen thing. Uh, yeah. where you're going to meet these people, they're going to get killed, and we won't care. And that's actually my main criticism, is the movie didn't make us care more about the detective. Uh, and and if, if, that, if that detective's redemption is going to be the, the sort of the payoff of the movie, then I wish it had made us care more uh, about him and the, the choice that he ultimately makes. And because it didn't, to me, the movie had a sort of a lightweight, like, made-for-TV kind of vibe to it yeah. because of that. But I, I blame the actor partly for that. I blame the writing partly for that. Um, I blame the writing heavily for that. Okay. So you didn't like, because I, I really liked the script. I really liked the, the basic idea. I liked, Dingus, he said it didn't have a sense of place, but I loved this, uh, you know, I loved how it was central to this skyscraper and the personnel around it and security guard and the police and the way that the, the police and fire department started, started closing around on it. Um, I, I thought it had a great sense of, uh, of place. And maybe it's just that I feel the, you feel the place should have been more focused on just the elevator. Um. Well, even thematically, you're saying uh, it, it was satisfying for you. But like, hmm? like Dingus pointed out, they don't kill each other, and the devil kills all of them. Right. I just don't see why that 
why the devil has that kind of time. <laughs> it just seems like a waste of time. I mean, if you can kill them all instantly and they all die not knowing why they died or who they died to, they're not being tormented. They're just being killed off. Well, that's that's yeah. one reason that I, I kind of felt like the final moment with the war veteran and the fact that we don't even... Is his name even given? They, he exchanges names with the... The 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 Bokeem he says his name. He holds he holds out his hand and they ignore him. Right, right. So there are very few people. A lot of them don't give their names, and that's uh, you know they're not really given uh, an identity for for a while, which I'm kind of cool with. But um, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, well, let me just ask this: what what is the devil's goal in this movie? Oh, oh so, so that's right. So Kelly Wong was saying right. the devil was idle. So that I think is the, it's the stuff of folklore. Like the devil and evil picks uncommon people because we are common people, and that's the point of it: is we think of ourselves in that role. You know, the devil isn't always going to torment presidents and kings. You know, that's a that's a central point of folklore. It's about folk. It's about normal people and the things that happen to them. You know, the boogeyman doesn't pick on famous rich kids. He picks on any little kid. Uh, so while that is a valid criticism, is doesn't the devil have better things to do? I think the fact that this movie is drawing from this old wives' tale that this, this guy's grandmother told him, that's entirely consistent, that the devil has time to mess with those people. Uh, oh, and so that's what I was going to say, is that well, you, you said, Kelly Wan, the devil doesn't give anyone else a chance for, for redemption, but that's one of the things I wonder about, is are we supposed to look at that last scene when the old lady rises up and her eyes are blacked out and she has a conversation with that guy? Did everybody get a moment of realization like that in some you know, frozen moment in time? And I don't know the answer to that. It's not suggested. It, well, that lights go out. You're saying every time the lights went out, they had a moment like that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's one of the things I wonder about is why did well, this guy Why did this guy make it through the loophole? Did everybody else get this chance and just fail? And, and I don't well, know. Point I mean, of view, that's a point of view issue. And we have, the, we have the narrator who's a guard. We have the cop who's the main character. And now we have the Afghanistan guy. And that could have been any one of the people in the elevator based on how things turn out. What what could have been any one of the people in the elevator? The devil could have been any one of those five. Oh, right, right, right. Well, that's because early on, the movie is... I'm sorry, I, did, I, I was the hit and run, and then they get... I mean, right, but early on, the movie is a tease about who is the bad guy. You know, it's a, it's a Ten Little Indians kind of story. Yeah, but, uh, no, but my, my point in asking this question is, uh -huh. excuse me, is that they're all the bad guy. And how is that interesting? I mean, my, my question isn't, does the devil have time to pick on the little guy? It's okay. that, why do we care about a devil who wants to be in a room with a bunch of scumbags and get them all killed. Because that's the... What is the point of this movie, and what is the devil's goal? Because every one of these people is supposed to be a scumbag, and then one of them finds forgiveness. Well, and, and also, I mean, how at the that? end... And then we even have the, the guy saying, innocents get killed. One innocent dude sort of gets killed because two. of some pigeons, and that's it. Three. No, no, the other guy. There's the suicide yeah. who... Here's the devil coming. There's the guy who falls down the elevator shaft, and there's Lustig. There's Matt Craven. Oh, there's Matt Craven. Electrocuted. Right. Okay, so uh, you and have also, a room full of, of douchebags who get killed. Well, Dingus, you well, didn't... Well, at the end, it suggested that God played a role in what happened at the end. And so what was... What, how well, I think what God played a role in is this guy's uh, ability to forgive is that that's a divine quality. That's why I say it's about the detective. It's about him learning to forgive by watching the, and, and realizing the torment that happens to these other people. You know, in a way, it's... And I don't want to compare it too much to this because The Exorcist is a much better movie. But if you look at The, at the Exorcist, it's ultimately about the priest's faith. 
and all the devil's machinations and the exorcist fade in the background to the one to the priest's decision to sacrifice himself to save Reagan. Um, and in a way, again, I'm not saying the materials is strong, but in a way, I feel devil is the same thing. It's about this one character's ability to to have the divine aspect of forgiveness, uh, to learn that uh, from the devil. And, and I think there's a similarity between the theme in The Exorcist and what this movie is going for. Uh, so, so, Dingus, you say they're, 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 we're told that they're, they're all terrible and they're evil, and you say that they're douchebags and they're scumbags, but didn't you find the... I, I, even though I sort of say the casting had a made-for-TV quality, didn't you find most of the actors pretty likable? Because yeah. I, I yeah, thought they were... Uh, and we, we're told they're terrible people, but I, I think one of the tricks of the movie is that it, it makes us kind of like them. Uh, but that, that's why I want to be in that room with them and see these characters develop instead okay. of flying over the sky of the city and looking at huge, beautiful buildings and clouds. Because every time we went to one of these second unit shots, the tension completely dissipated for me. And every time we, we lapsed back into the voiceover, it dissipated for me. No. Because th- this is supposed to be a crucible. And they don't have the balls to stick with the See, crucible. Dingus, I think you're, abs- fly out. you're absolutely wrong. I mean, you're, I, that's one point of view, but that's not what the script is doing. I mean, the script is about... I understand that's not what the script is doing, and I understand I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm saying that if the, if the script had the balls to go for what, we're, what this story should be about, I don't believe it's nope. about this cop's forgiveness, and I don't understand why he learns that looking through this video camera. I, I don't, okay, well, I don't let me ask you. I think that's all tacked on. Okay, you think the, the, the script shouldn't be about that? I mean, that's, that's pretty... I mean, the script is about what it's about. Uh, it seems to me you're, you're guilty of expecting something from the movie that it's not. It's not a crucible movie where we're not going to leave the phone booth. Uh, it, you know, it's a, that's exa- you're exactly right about that. And, and, and one of the things that I'm doing in evaluating this movie is saying, is saying that what it, why it doesn't work for me is because they decided, let's get the hell out of this phone booth. And that is the problem with the movie for me. Okay. I understand what you're saying and saying, that, but that's just not what the script is about. But I'm saying that's the problem. And okay. I'm allowed to say that without being told I'm simply wrong. Well, your wrong yes, thing is to say is... your wrong thing is to say that it's a crucible movie. It's not that. It's not a movie. I mean, it, it is a movie about strangers thrown. You know, Saw for and actually not even Saw. Saw is a bad example because even Saw leaves that room. Uh, what? Right, a lot. That's half of it. It's got the whole Danny Glover thing. But Dingus, this clearly is not a movie where you're only going to stay in the elevator. The characters outside the elevator are central to what's going on, uh, I, I feel. So I feel it's... A, and if, you, if that didn't work for you, that's one thing. But to say that, that, uh, that the movie should have done something differently, uh, I, I mean, that's like... Uh, you know, that, that, that's like me saying Avatar... Well, I, I won't even go there. Oh, but, yeah, go ahead. Sure, try that. <laughs> no, no, let's play Avatar. Avatar. Okay. Go ahead. It's all been point of view, point of found video. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's like you talking about this being a found video. This is not a found video movie. It's not even I an understand that, but I'm saying that the things that, that would have made this work and the reasons that it constantly is dropping its tension is because it's leaving the area of tension. And you're talking about... Now, why do you say it's... It, see, I, I disagree with you that it loses its tension. I mean, that's a subjective thing, too. You know, the, the cop and the, the fire department, I think it ratchets all that up very nicely. Uh, as far as how the steps escalate outside of the elevator, you know, that stuff is tense. You know, they start like, uh, flip this switch. That doesn't do anything. Go down in the basement. That doesn't do anything. Hey, the police are here. That doesn't do anything. 
fire department here, that doesn't do anything, close off the block. I really, really liked how the, the tension in the elevator was matched outside the elevator. Uh, and, and so I, that's, if, if that's how you feel, that, that's fine. But I, I totally disagree. I thought it did a great job pacing the outside elevator tension with what was going on inside the elevator. Well, I totally disagree with you. I think every time we left and had these, these again, second unit shots of the sky. No, I don't think, oh, okay, okay. That we, that this is what was happening, Tom. You're in the elevator. You have this tense moment, and then we're outside looking at clouds and in huge buildings and that look gorgeous but have nothing to do, as far as I'm concerned, with what is going on inside the shaft of this elevator, unless this storm is actually going to happen. You know, what I kept thinking is, we're looking at this approaching storm. That's kind of awesome. And the maybe the storm is building is going to be shut down. And maybe that's part of it. <laughs> the storm is just our fear of clouds. The storm is just, it's just weather in the background. It's ominous weather. I mean, did you expect that there was going to be like a... A hurricane or something? It's just a backdrop. Well, if you're going to keep showing yeah. me that in the middle of this, this what is supposed to the be the weather represents drama, that, then it too. better bring something, and it doesn't bring anything other it than rains. pretty, pretty pictures of buildings. It rains. And there's that, lightning. And it, and <laughs> there's dark clouds. Rain, what do you want it to do? Attention at all. <laughs> but, but for me, every time we leave that room and we go up and we have a silly scene like in in the uh, security booth that reduces the tension that's going on in the story. And for you, that ratcheted it up when, yeah. when you see jelly falling on the floor. Good. That didn't work mm-hmm. for me at all. All right. But you, yeah, all right. Well, that's, that's fine. I mean, it sounds like you wanted a different movie than what you were being offered, which is fair enough. It was Marmalade. Hmm. That's a good point, actually. Or if it had just been butter. I don't even know what jelly... To- oh, the, the toast thing. See, that guy was almost a clown, though, which I also liked. You know, that's the, like I say, oh. an, a, a, the Cassandra of a story. The guy who actually knows, you know, the girl who's correctly prophesying what's going to happen. Nobody <laughs> believes her. Nobody believes her. That's, that's what this guy's role was. Nobody believed him. He was a goof. Huh. He was a clown. The cop believed him as this. So the cop believed him eventually, but at first, everybody was discounting this guy. And the toast was a joke. I agree. I mean, I thought that, that was intentionally. He wasn't... I, I don't think this guy was supposed to be taken seriously. No, no, that was all funny, and I enjoyed it. And, and I enjoyed it three the times, it was jelly. I liked, I liked the actor who played Detective Bowden. I mean, you know, I've only seen him in a couple of things, but I liked him. I thought he was engaging. I, I'm glad they cast somebody who was a relative unknown instead of throwing Kiefer Sutherland in that part or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that guy. I just feel like uh, it just completely missed the point of what was going on in that elevator. And and you say the point of the movie is forgiveness. And for me, when we find that, that goofy, um, when we have this, the callback for that goofy car wash ticket, I'm just rolling my eyes. It, it, there's For me, that whole, the, the cop suddenly finds forgiveness because why, I don't know, uh, is is completely artificial. All well, I'm assuming it's artificial. No, I'm assuming it's because it's it's part of like the guy's obviously been in AA, he's been struggling with alcoholism. I mean, I'm assuming this is his chance and he takes it, just like the the, the veteran in the elevator. He had his chance at redemption, he took it. The cop, we presume was inspired by that, you know, from from confession to forgiveness. I mean, it, it's it's almost this idea that that's once the devil's plan, you know, once somebody finds a flaw in it, there's like a chain reaction. Um, you know, it's almost like so the devil thought, well, I, I don't know, we, we could talk about the rules, but it, it seems to me that the, the devil's plan failed. 
And there was almost this idea, and this isn't stated in there, but there was this idea that that guy's presence, the cop's presence, was like the divine aspect. It's almost like God knew the devil's plan was going to fail, so he put that guy there to watch and have him be redeemed. Um, What? Well, here's the thing. Is it the devil had no idea that that cop was going to be there, right? Was the devil's plan that the cop would be there? Of course, that that's yeah. part of the lore of the movie. That's part of the mythology that no, Cassandra is talking about. No, no, Cassandra is talking about. He wants us to be the audience. No, no, no. He says there's a reason we're the audience. He doesn't say the devil wants us to be the audience. No, no, no. His clear implication is that this is all a part of the devil's plan. The line is, is the no, 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 no. The line is there's a reason we're the audience. Uh, but the line before that is that is about the, the devil, devil doesn't do things in secret, right? The devil doesn't do this in secret. There's a reason, right? Right. And, and the implication, come on. Well, so wait. So, the, so, so the devil then knows that this guy is going to fail, that this guy is going to is going to break the plan and confess. Why doesn't he know it? How is, how is this guy going to know that he killed his wife and son? I don't know. I, that's why. Well, that's I exactly what I'm saying. It's a silly co- coincidence. And I no, it's a, you say it's a silly coincidence, Dingus, but my point is I think it's ultimately about this guy's redemption and that there's a divine hand at work in addition to a diabolical one. So God killed the wife and the kid? Thanks, God. I mean, do you guys really not see that? You guys really, if you think the devil wanted the cop to be there to watch, how would the cop have ever found out? So uh, the, the, the again, lights go out. You're, 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 are you saying the devil takes... knows or doesn't know that, Tom? I'm saying the devil does not know the cop is there. I'm saying that's not part what? of the plan. The plan is we get five people in the elevator. There's an audience. Innocent people will die. Uh, and then in the end, the Afghani war veteran dies. And, and the, the old lady vanishes. And you just got an elevator full of dead people. However, the cop was there. Okay, so then let me ask. What was the plan? How was the cop then going to find out? that his wife and son had been killed by the war veteran. These are flaws in the script. These are not... Right. This is just so I'm explaining it. I think there's a... No, I, there's a very, you say it's a flaw in the script. <laughs> so Why is the devil yeah, because in a room full of scumbags? I mean, why is the movie then... Why argue this as if this, this is some sort of thing outside of reality. This is the problem with the movie. And, and you're, you're trying to argue as if God wrote it. So you think it's a coincidence that the guy is watching or that the devil no. wanted the guy to watch? No, I think the script think writer did. wanted to watch. And I think that's the problem. <laughs> Okay, so the scriptwriter wanted the guy to watch. Why? I mean, what? That makes no sense, Dingus. It makes you happy. You're right. It makes no sense because the scriptwriter wants the cop to have this false redemption at the end. None of it makes any sense. And you're trying to argue that as if God has some. Isn't the point of the movie? Isn't the point of the movie? And this is even said at some point that if the devil exists, so does God. Yeah. Isn't that said in the movie? That's the that that's that's one of the little summations. Yeah, that's the, the payoff the movie, yeah. right? So if the devil's plans exist, so do God's. Isn't that part of what is suggested there? Well, yeah. So the devil's just a patsy. No, I mean you guys. I I to me it was perfectly clear, and you guys are just saying you're denying that that this interpretation that I came away with. You're saying that this is instead a flaw. That this is something that nobody even considered, and that it, it it can't be explained. I think it's a perfectly good explanation. I'm saying I'm saying here's what I'm agreeing with Dingus on. The devil's agenda, based on what we see, doesn't make any sense. Well, it's just he, to kill. He has to know the cop is there. Why? Because he's the devil. He's been killing security guards all up there, and they, and they and they see the cop, and he showed the cop the devil face. 
So why does why does the wait? You're saying showing that he's deliberately showing them his face in on the video monitors, right? But not the cop. The cop isn't there at that point. The cop just happens to get there uh, by, you know, being called in for the suicide because he's around. I mean, oh, you're saying coincidence. No, oh. I'm saying I, I, it could. You, well, you, that's another way you could look at it is that the guy is coincidentally redeemed. But I think it's a it, this whole idea that the, at the end of the story that the reason the grandmother tells him a story about the devil is so that he knows God exists. So well, once I again, think Tom, I, is, yeah, I think there's this idea. You guys can call it coincidence if you want. Uh, no, but that's not. to me a far less interesting choice than there's this vine hand at work here as well. You know, if the devil called the cop in, you guys can't answer for me. And the reason I think you can't answer it, you're saying it's because the script is sloppy, but I think it's just because you, for some reason, don't want to recognize this interpretation. The reason the cop, if you can tell me what the devil, how the devil was going to let the cop know that this guy had killed his wife and son, how was that going to happen if the man in the elevator had worked? I'm going to tell you. I have an answer to that. Okay. He he was going to, the devil was going to let that guy go in a hope that the cop killed him, but then the cop didn't kill him. But the devil didn't let him go. The devil was like, damn, I really wanted you. That's letting him go. No, the devil devil was going to take him, and he made a decision. I am now going to confess. I'm going to recognize. I am going to accept. As a matter of fact, the cop is the one who plants, who incepts this idea. The cop is the one that says, take responsibility for what you are. And, And ultimately, the Afghani war veteran hears that, and he decides to confess, and it foils the devil's plan. The devil says, damn, I really wanted you. I can't take you. Well, once Hmm. again, Tom, I mean, the, the, the problem isn't here. The problem is, what is the devil's point? Well, that's, that's what I was saying before. I mean, you, Kelly, you said he's got a lot of time on his hand. I mean, this is part of folklore. The devil's point is just to be evil and mess with people. No, no. To, to kill, point to kill five, to, to kill four Who's people in an elevator, to kill these four people in an elevator and kill some innocents. I mean, all this stuff is laid out in the narration. The devil's point is just to torment these guilty people and kill them. But, but the devil's point in uh-huh. this movie is to torment guilty people. Right. And you're saying that this is an interesting choice. Why is the cop... Well, well I mean, what... There are uh, some bags in her. the elevator. That's the idea. And so what we're supposed to... Uh, and this is... I'm moving the, the discussion back to here because kicking it back to the cop sort of refuses the line on what the actual problem with the movie is. And for us to have an idea of a, of a devil torturing a bunch of guilty people, why, right. is that, why is that in the devil's best interest? They're damned. He doesn't... He, you know, it's, well, it's I think it's yeah, he's going to get him anyway. I, I mean, that, you guys are you, if you want to bring in metaphysical stuff, I don't know, yeah. and I don't think the movie's concerned with that. The movie doesn't exactly. really explain to us the rules of hell and damnation and salvation, and you know, this is not a complete metaphysical treatise on the nature of the afterlife. So I'm sorry if that's something that you are expecting, but I don't think that's what you're getting. This is very clearly, nah. it's very clearly, it's a simple little folklore tale that's spun out into a disaster movie, a skyscraper disaster movie. Uh, and it's based on folklore, and part of accepting that folklore, it, you know what? It's like the, the devil went down to Georgia. You know, why in a Charlie Daniels song does the devil care about a kid playing fiddle on a stump in Georgia? That's not clever. 
But but that's exactly why doesn't he go uh, deal with someone like more famous? You know, why does he have time to deal with common folk like that? That's just part of sales talk. Like hell, him dealing with a kid who plays really well, or him dealing with a, a serial killer, because because this is not. I mean, and don't just keep turning it on us because because we want to turn it into something else. It, it's the fact that this movie decides to have guilty people in an elevator and have the devil torture them instead of doing something more interesting with your time. And the, the idea that, that the devil's time is best spent fucking with people who are already damned is a little weird. And you're defending The thing it. is, Genghis, though, they're not already damned because obviously... argument. They're, they're not already damned because obviously they can do things in the course of their life to undo this damnation. And actually, I don't even know if that's the case because I don't know if this movie is assuming that when they die, they go to heaven or hell based on what. I mean, I don't, I don't know why you're even bringing that into that. This, this, is, this is a common, like I say, folklore. You know, gods and demons and devils, they come and they mess with common folk. And if you think that's not interesting... Well, you, you've got, you know, millennia of mythology to, 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 to hand wave away by saying that's not interesting. No, that's I think just it's more what, interesting just what divine who the, you, you keep, and demons keep ignoring do. what I'm saying. I think it's more interesting who they deal with. And they chose to deal with a bunch of characters who are scumbags in an okay. elevator. And what's, why, of, what's the problem? Instead of having the devil mess with people who are good or innocent and turn them into something else in the course of this film. Now, who's to say he doesn't do that as well? What? That's not what this movie is about, though. Who's to say, I mean, sure, okay, fine. You could have, you could have movies about that, and that's what The Exorcist is, for instance. Um, but w- why do you expect this, that to be a facet of this movie? Because I find the idea of uh, the devil torturing a bunch of guilty people to be completely uninteresting. Uh, okay. And, and I, don't, that, I don't know what to do with that because I find it interesting. I mean, that's such a, a subjective okay, thing, and I that's a fair enough complaint. Pushing it and ignoring it. Well, I'm not ignoring not, it. I'm saying it's interesting. I think the fact that, you know, this, the, the reveals about each of these people who we find out are likable early on. They're likable people on an elevator. And then we find out terrible things. You just said before they were. The cast was very likable. The actors were fine. We didn't know anything that. about it. Yeah. Uh, we, they're likable people. And we find I'm out. I like the mattress guy. I think he's the comic relief. He's like the Walter Goggins of the he's expedition. Mm. He's the nice guy. He's yeah. the but I, I think that's interesting is that we find out that they're not what we think. We, we find out that the, the fact that they're douchebags, Dingus, is a reveal uh, and not a central facet of, of, of how they're introduced. It's not, the, the, it's not how they enter into the story. Uh, so well, I think for, for me, a, the central problem of the movie is why is the devil wasting his time with these people? And I, and I don't. Yeah. I just don't believe it. And, yeah, and you, can, you can deride me and laugh at me all you want, but but bouncing it back to where the cop finds this is a story about forgiveness is completely artificial, and it starts at this point. Why, Dingus? Why does the devil uh, mess with Job? Is Job an interesting? Because person? Job is tell the me most, something. That was a bet. That was a bet. That was the bet. most godly man on the planet. You just made my point. Thank you. Job is not. No, tell me something about Job. Go ahead. Give me. Explain to me what kind of character Job is. Right. That's all we know about him. That's all we know. We know he's got a family and he owns stuff. Uh, what he's else? A godly man. And and the devil says, "Let me have a crack at at your best." Right. And God says, "Go ahead." Right. And 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 the devil says, "Let me do." No, no. Tell me about. No, no. Tell me about Job. Like as a person, what makes him interesting? 
I, I don't know, Tom. Wait, well, that's because that's because you don't need to know. That's not part of what's going on. You know, the devil can mess with, with anybody. It doesn't have to but be the a devil fleshed messing out with character. Job is more interesting than him messing with Job. Job's not a fleshed out character. He's a placeholder. These people are too. You know, no, you don't. I don't, you don't know what you you're wanting. That. I don't know that. That's bad in both cases. But that's the thing is this is folklore. You know, Dingus, I don't know what kind of character development you're wanting for these people to be interesting. Like, who should the devil be messing with? So you're saying this should be a movie. You, you, you would rewrite this movie as these are an elevator full of good people. You think that's going to make that's going to make this a better movie? That, that sure. we get the godliest people in there and 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 torment them and kill them one at a time. And, and how is that going to make them and see them turn on each other? I don't, you know, I don't know, but I don't, I don't understand the point of the devil, and that's the point. We've said this before. What's the devil, the do you understand the what's the motivation of the demon in Paranormal Activity? Who, what makes what makes Katie Featherstone and Mika whatever interesting? What's his motivation there? They're normal people. They're they're everyday people that anybody can relate to. It's the same thing in in this movie. They I mean, actually, go ahead and actually answer that, Dingus. I'm curious. That's a really good point, Tom. That's a very good point. But he's had a history with Katie Featherstone since, since she was a young girl. So this, there's, a, there's a history between those two people. So what is, it? The history? what is their history? Why, does it, why is it with her? We don't know, and it doesn't matter. But she with her family, I thought. But she's not some some criminal that he suddenly winds up in a room with, and now he's going to torture a criminal. I mean, he's he's with this person who's a normal person, and you're right. And so are these the, people the, in the elevator. The, but that's not mm. how it's couched in this movie. It's, it it's is at first, but there are reveals about them. It is at first. There reveals that they're in there for a reason. It's like Lost, for instance. You know, you throw Ugh. normal people. I, I know I shouldn't. You throw normal people in there, and um, you reveal things about them, about why they're in there. But then you they're, realize they're not real people, just like the ones on Lost, and the whole thing's ruined. But, but like in, in the, in the annals of the things we understand about demons and devils, are they constantly trying to convert people who are already evil? They're not converting anyone, Dingus. That's the point. It's that when the guy converts that it's a failure. The devil's just killing people. Just like the devil and the demon in Paranormal you know, Activity. You paranormal on, activity. Just, exactly. Just like in Paranormal Activity, he's just tormenting people. No, no, he's not just tormenting people. Well, of course he is. That's what... <laughs> he's turning her boyfriend, and that's one of the things that happens. He's not turning he's her boyfriend. He makes, no, Micah, whatever his name is, he makes the choice to taunt the demon. It's his choice. Yeah, Devil, on what the, the, the demon, demon is doing. The, de- the demon, and, see, now you're making up stuff about the demon's motives that are not in the movie. I am not making anything up. not giving that we, benefit we of doubt. We have to go motivations, and the devil doesn't have any motivation. Even as a demon in paranormal activity other than to be evil and mess with people. I mean, you seem to think that there's this... No, no, the demon's... No conversion the, attempt. talk about paranormal activity, the demon's goal in paranormal activity is to cross over. And part of crossing over is to get Micah to turn. We've had this conversation before. So what is the devil's motivation in this movie? Just to mess with people? The demon's motivation is to cross over? Yeah, we know that from watching Paranormal Activity. The demon's motivation is just to mess with people, Dingus. Why does it want to cross over? To mess with people. To get oh, into no, he gets the her world. body. To mess with people, right? It's possessing people. But he can't mess to the world. That's um. Well, I I know what you're saying, Tom, and I think that's the devil doesn't need a really complex motivation, but the but the human characters need motivations to make them interesting. 
and whether they're holy or unholy. And and I think that this There's movie no does that. Like they they it reveals over the course of the movie, you know, what uh, what are these They're people, like Agatha Christie characters where it's just exactly. like they all act See. Okay, all but right. that's exactly right, Kelly Wan. In Agatha Christie, uh, you, you know, in a typical mystery, everybody has some secret little thing that gets revealed in the course of them all being killed off one by one in ten little yeah, instances. Randomly, one of them, and then you go, oh. And it's always the dead body. It's you know that's another thing. Like Saw, like Ten Little Indians, the dead body is the, the one that did it. But I think that's a perfect uh, parallel, Kelly Wan. Is, is these people in murder mysteries? You know, all these people have some secret. And this is just that same kind of thing. You know, why does it, well, that, that tends to be like a big part of a murder mystery is what the murderer's motive is. But this just takes this metaphysical stance that the motive is just to mess with people. And that's laid out at the beginning, the rules. The devil just gets people together and he kills them. And I don't know, you know, there's plenty of stuff, and we, 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 we could get into this, there's plenty of stuff that, I, I think there's plenty of criticisms about this movie without questioning this this time-honored premise of what the devil does and doesn't do. Because uh, I, I, I don't understand why that's a ding against the movie, and it's not a ding against, like I said, centuries of mythology. By the end of the movie, though, I agree with Dingus that I didn't know why the devil wasted his time all day on this. Well, but why do you think it was a waste of time? I mean, he got four out of the... or five, three? How many... I guess he got, got out of the four, plus the other two security guards, yeah. plus the bread wagon chick. I mean, you know, it's just the the, the devil is bored and, and messes with people. Well, then I get bored. <laughs> As a motivation, you have to admit that's pretty weak. Uh, like I said, let's take it up with a millennia of mythology. That's just you know what, Dingus. That's the nature of evil. You you, you can't understand it. It just does evil. You know what? Things. You know, in, in Paranormal Activity, interesting thing. The devil does a lot of interesting shit in Paranormal Activity, and in this, he doesn't do anything interesting. See, now why do you say that? Because I think if it, because he just kills him when the lights go out. Making footprints, making footprints in flour is more that's interesting. Awesome. Is more yes. interesting than turning someone's neck around 180 degrees in in the in the snap of a finger. Like the lights go out, yeah. quickly, they come back on. The guy's neck is twisted. Except the but, but happens, that happens power. four times. It, 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 you're just waiting right. for the next sequence where the lights go up. Someone's dead. I mean that that's repeated like once. It, it just and it well, that's like the, that's the whole pattern too. Well, I agree. With, I agree with you there. With the, well, I agree with you about the PG-13. I mean, I, it seemed like they were definitely pulling their punches on gore. Uh, but but that that to me that was I'll use Dingus's term here that was interesting to me the lights go out you get that those sound effects you don't know who's going to be dead next it, again it's a Ten Little Indians thing you know no, but making footprints in flour is is evidence it's not an action it, that well I'm not things I'm, you're, not, I'm completely missing the point no, Kelly was the one that brought it up Kelly no, you're the one who just said footprints and powder as if the demon was doing that to mess with them and that was just evidence of what the demon was trying to do. okay throwing keys on the ground how's that dingus how's it's that way better <laughs> look, I'm not. I'm not attacking. Look, I'm not attacking paranormal. I disagree. I'm not attacking paranormal activity because you guys know I love that movie. I'm just saying the devil did plenty of interesting stuff here. He hung an old lady that was actually himself. Uh, you know, he stabbed somebody in the jugular with glass. He twisted a guy's head around and. Uh, and, mean, and meanwhile, this this woman gets hung up, and nobody in the elevator when these things are happening, they don't really deal with the reality of the situation that's going on. They they just sort of face off. Nobody ever says how did that? How could that possibly have happened? Something else is going. Oh, on. they absolutely do. I mean, that's when they talk about how that girl, how it was the girl who couldn't be doing things. 
You know, how is she gonna how is she gonna kill people like that? They're absolutely but that's physically that was another thing too. That was another thing too that I really liked about is nobody in this movie did anything stupid. Like this 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 movie didn't have you know yeah, they called wrong. the police, they called the fire department, the cop did the right thing, telling them to put their hands on the wall. I, I mean, th- this the could guy wasn't stupid for stepping in, in the water. Pool of water. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to get. I mean, okay, that. Uh, okay, they so drop their glass when they know it's the, it has to be the other person. They both do the truce with the glass shards. Uh, I mean, I, I, as far as I'm talking about things like not calling the cops, like not uh, not calling the bomb squad when there's a suspicious oh, package a, uh, in there. That's a good point. Right. What suspicious package? It was the satchel, a tool. The satchel. Oh, please. Hit, oh, the guy walks in with a package and then he's not there. You stop just laughing when something doesn't. Why agree. should they? They should call the bomb squad to look for the guy's satchel. That's exactly what they would do if a guy brings a satchel into a. But so you're saying the movie's not realistic. How do you get you past? You said the they didn't do anything stupid, and that's I don't why think looking for the guy's satchel is stupid. I don't think looking for the guy's satchel that's something they noticed on the the video camera. They're like, where's his satchel? Maybe that's got a clue in it. You left in the bathroom, because why again? Didn't want it for the interview. The idea is, I, I'm assuming the idea is, he's like a handyman, and he had to go from work to go to a job interview. He's trying to better his life. He's living in his car. He didn't have a car. To uh, well, because wasn't his girlfriend coming to, she was supposed to pick him up and pick up his tools. She was just supposed to come there so, and get his satchel from him so he didn't have to take it upstairs, and she was late. Right. So he had to find a place to hide it. I mean, it's an innocent enough explanation. Oh, devil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the raccoon scene. How awesome uh, is that? Yeah, all right, I love the raccoon. Uh, let's talk about... <laughs> I, I think they should send this movie to those uh, those miners who are trapped in Chile. Don't depress everyone. <laughs> okay. Just Aren't those guys out now? Is that... right. They're not. Now we look like, look like dicks. Um, Tom, this is the first in a trilogy called The Night Chronicles. Are you aware of what the next two in the trilogy are? I, thought that I, I, was a, I did not know it was a trilogy. Isn't that just the name of the studio? No. It's three it's just, linked. It's an anthology, even though he's calling them Chronicles. Stop. No, the second one's about a jury. It's called Reincarnate, and they have to decide like a supernatural case. And then the right. third one's Unbreakable 2, even though Unbreakable wasn't supernatural. And the theme of The Night Chronicles is supernatural things happening in urban settings. Uh, okay, well, that's kind of all of his movies, I guess, except for The Happening. Um, and The Village. So, and I don't... Signs. That's a Kelly Wan, you said that this had the, uh, I think you used the word taint of M. Night Shyamalan on it. Is it just <laughs> yeah. because it's in Philadelphia, or what? Uh, explain, because I've seen all of his movies. Uh, I It had that in that I didn't believe in any of the characters, just like I feel in his movies. I never believe in the characters, and also at the end you find out God did it. That's another thing in all of this. But apparently you didn't find out God did it, because you guys are denying my interpretation. Which, okay, well, there you go. Thanks, Kelly Wallace. No, no. You're <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. No, no, Thanks, God Kelly. did it. I just don't see why the devil... I get why God did what he did, but I understand the devil's motivation. I didn't... But never mind. I, I mean, the, I, one, the one relief for me was that there wasn't an extra twist at the end. And that's yeah, exactly. Shyamalan kind of backed away and said, okay, we're not going to have the guy in the back of the cab or the cop turn out to be the devil or some, some other weird meta thing happen. This is just, this is the story and we're leaving it at that. And I did, I uh, was You guys didn't relieved. see the uh, Sienna Guillory thing after the credits? <laughs> I missed that. Nice. <laughs> so uh, I felt like the, I felt like there was a sense of discipline there. Cause I felt like if it were Shyamalan doing his normal thing that he feels like he has to do, there would have been another twist tacked on. 
Right. Well, maybe he thought we'd think it was a twist that God did it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I don't, I, you know, there was no twist, but I do think that last scene was important because it has to be, you know, that's, that's the point of the movie is that he does forgive the guy. Uh, and that, you know, the movie acknowledges that this is the last thing that has to happen and it's crucial to the action. You know, the movie didn't need a twist. Uh, so, okay, it's that guy's story, the cop's story, so all those other people who died... They don't get. I mean, because the two security guys, they didn't get a chance. Well, that's the thing. That's why I sort of liken it to a disaster movie, and it's also why I really did like the the, the setting and how it did range around to you know the going to the, the top of the skyscraper and the bottom of the skyscraper and what happened before the people got there. Uh, you, you know, there are different characters drawn together, uh, and it's only you don't realize that it's the cop story until the very final scene. You know, you know, it's just like The Exorcist. You don't realize that it's about father and i can't think of that guy's name uh but you don't realize it's about him and Marin. is it Marin? father Marin? yeah Great. yeah uh you don't realize it's about him in, until his choice at the end uh you know i, I so m night Shyamalan didn't write this he said it's a story from him but a script by someone else right, right another right, guy write right. it okay Ryan something. and i would i would i would lay good money that the guy is a huge fan of the exorcist because i i just see that whole narrative arc as being very similar to the exorcist uh, and I do think, you know, I think that's at the end. That, you know, God did it. God put that guy there to witness these events. God knew that, I guess, the Afghani soldier was going to uh, redeem Correct. himself. for, for going to out. But I don't know why, though, that guy... I mean, why wouldn't... If you were in his boots, why wouldn't you do what he did? You know, that's... So, Dingus, if we yeah. were to talk about the devil not do Like, the devil tempting people is a different story than the devil... Uh, tormenting people. And if right. the devil had tempted him, there was no temptation for him. Obviously, if the devil shows up to drag you to hell, and all you have to do to avoid it is confess, why wouldn't you confess? Uh, you, you know, so I didn't understand, and that's what I wanted to talk about early on, is I didn't understand what the loophole was there, or why he would not have confessed. What? I thought you were going to tell us what the loophole was. Well, I don't know. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Why wouldn't that guy have confessed at that point? That just seemed like... the it just seemed like a fait accompli. He had of course, to lose. exactly. He had nothing to lose and and everything to gain. I mean, he's going to go to jail. That's fine. But he's going to be alive, and he's I, I maybe can go to heaven or whatever the metaphysics are here. Uh, I didn't understand that part. Uh, well, it's not like he wrote a note that said, "I'm not sorry." <laughs> okay, <laughs> he did redeem himself when he left the note, partially. And I did. I'm with Dingus there. When uh, I I was rolling my eyes at the the cops fortuitous decision to uh, have his little monologue in front of the Hispanic security guard at that moment. I was like, oh, God, that felt so made for TV to me. Yeah. But they're, Something... they're all like, they were all TV-sized yeah. characters. Go ahead, Dingus. Something what? Something uh, one or both of you mentioned earlier sort of piqued my interest, and, and, and I'm not trying to make this into a movie that it isn't, but but the, the idea... <laughs> the, the idea that um, each one of them might have had this moment as a chance to confess that we just didn't see, and this is the only one we see, is is a little more interesting to me. Because I, yeah. I, is it just that, is the devil just gunning for him at the very end and, and the devil sort of putting saving the best for last? Cause the devil says, why do we only get to see the one then? So why, did, why does that guy get a chance to confess or a chance to to redeem himself and the others don't? They just get like shards of glass stuck in their throats. Right. 
Um, it's, it seems random unless sort of I imagine something that one of you said that that in these in these flashes of darkness, maybe these scenes are playing out. I, I don't think that's what's going on. But well, but one of one of the reasons, Dingus, the clear reason for that is is strictly dramatic. And that is that the right. audience can't know who the devil is yet. Uh, so so for that reason, that's why we don't see that. And I don't know if we're supposed to assume. Yeah. And that, so I well. It, that would have been a good chance to use the monitor thing. Like if someone's watching the monitors, like the fiance, and she sees the light, Scott, and hears the sounds, and the intercut between that and him having his moment. Well, I think if, if that's the if that's the intention of the film, given the given the extended flashback to the car wreck and his five year old hair, um, that we would have seen flashbacks or at least flashes of those things happening. I don't think the movie would have been coy about that. And there's a line about the devil not hiding before that. So well, the devil doesn't do it in secret, right? Right, right. It's uh, in the video. Uh, did you guys did you guys catch the address of the building? It was six six six, right? Three three three. Oops. <laughs> but three 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 locust. Huh? Uh, one right. thing I liked, and and this is this is why I I really verse. kept feeling like I wanted to be stuck in that room and apologies for that is the the death of the engineer the way that was handled after the bird scare which i know tom loved uh, <laughs> was great i i just loved that there was this bam we knew the, there's just the the he hits the roof of the elevator we don't see it as an audience we're just with them and they're they're thinking we're being rescued we're we're about to be saved and then there's a little I love these little moments of business where the mechanic like puts the light back up in the ceiling and uh and then the the light starts to turn dark with blood and they realize something's terribly wrong but but not but being with them and not knowing exactly what happened I really liked that and you also hear the walkie-talkie right next to the roof Oh, well, that's, that's, well, that's like exactly that. it, and that's one thing that you couldn't do if we were just closing the elevators. It played a lot with what could be communicated how. You know, this whole idea that the security guard could see them and could talk to them, but he couldn't hear them. And this idea of having a, you know, a pen and writing something, uh, you know, uh, I, I like, and the walkie-talkie. Like, I like this playing around with, with the limits of communication. Uh, one thing I noticed that I loved it did when she, uh, and by the way, so the devil has a driver's license. Because the old lady yeah. tried to hold her driver's license up, and you couldn't make it out. And the, the, cops, said, the cops said something like, can we enhance this? Or <laughs> I was like, oh, God, are they really going to do that? And, and they're going to have a sharpness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they so she knew that he couldn't read it. Right. She, they, she knew he was there, Tom. They didn't do that. Who makes false IDs? I mean, come on. There you go. But they didn't do that movie thing where he enhances and zooms in and, and can read <laughs> Maybe it. she's a real old woman. <laughs> well, that, that also, like, why then... I guess it's just misdirection, you know. The devil allows Steel. himself to yeah. spot, you know, Steven. on video. Hey, holy cats, I just remembered. The old lady stole the wallet. They, right. they saw that, and that's what she was obviously holding up. The driver's oh, license, don't you think? Good one. Good uh, one, yeah, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. See how much this movie rocks? <laughs> one, two, three, not only you and me. Got one eighty degrees, and I'm between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart, I like it when you guys Woo. fight. It's like, I like watching it British people. Yeah, I can't believe you guys didn't like this movie. And yeah, Dingus, you really zinged me on that Job thing. I can't believe I brought that up. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's do a three by three. 
Whose turn is it? Kelly, oh, boy. what do you got for us? <laughs> I'm Three spent. Movies. <laughs> the devil? <laughs> you guys saw it together, and you had to bottle See, that's that the thing, up. Is we couldn't talk afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I don't we, like that. We, uh, we went out to a movie the next night and still couldn't talk about that's it. Right. That's right. That's right. Crazy. <laughs> that sounds harsh. <laughs> that sounds harsh. And the listeners don't care. Speaking of things the listeners don't care about, what's your 3 by 3 this week? It's uh, three, three movies that traumatized you as a kid. <laughs> All right. Which no one would care about. But then the listeners will, like, mention theirs, and there'll be some weird ones. Right, exactly. And the, here's, traumatized here's, by Sound of Music. Right. This, this thread will get a lot of posts, and so you win. Uh, Dingus will go first, but I just want to say uh, one, one of the things that I wish hadn't been the case, we're all like roughly the same age. This would have been much better if we'd had like a 20-something and a 30-something and an older guy. Exactly. We, this and should be like a same devil. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally like a more multi-generational one. So. All right, Dingus, you're, you're giving us next week's 3x3, three three, so you, you kick us off. We're dating our age now. We're all uh, we're all in our forties, aren't we? Uh, yes. I'm gonna say yes. All right. We're all in our forties. What movie oh. from the seventies traumatized you? <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie was not from the seventies, actually. This uh, I, I extended uh, childhood a little farther or further than you probably did. <laughs> I, was I was denied a lot of media when I was growing up. All right, here's a quote from my number three movie that traumatized me as a child. Are you ready for it? Are you mm-hmm. ready for this quote? Yep. Okay, here we go. Five. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Is this The Shining? No. Oh. Alter. <laughs> Oh, Poltergeist. Oh, I knew it was somebody talking to an imagine. Oh, and you were even doing a little girl voice. I can't believe I flubbed that one. <laughs> it could have been Danny. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 the it's the which part? I'll uh, tell you which part traumatized me, and then we'll see if it's the same one. Well, it's the, not something that here's the, here's the the mistake I made. I I went ahead and watched Poltergeist this week, and I really shouldn't have. Uh, because I'm kind of fond of the the mythology that I've created that Poltergeist traumatized me as a child, and it's not really that traumatic a movie as it turns out. It's really uh, actually got a lot of weird, hammy cheesiness that I didn't remember, but it traumatized me when I saw it. And uh, I the 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 thing was uh, I was expecting um, I, I didn't I it came out in 1982. And uh, I didn't see it then. I rented it one night um, when I was home alone. My parents were away for the weekend. And as I uh, sort of alluded to last week when Tom was talking about Salem's Lot, uh, we had a a house that was sort of a little bit in the darkness and in the forest, in the woods, with a lot of windows. And uh, I watched this movie, and it was a really dark, stormy night. And I was expecting just sort of a lighthearted Steven Spielberg, Goonies kind of a movie. And it freaked me out. It really, really scared me. And I was a teenager at the time. And, uh, and so I really couldn't 
I was alone, and I really couldn't talk about this with anybody because I was freaked out by this little kitty movie. And uh, and then going back and watching it this week, it's not really that creepy. The the, the opening is very creepy. It, it opens very creepy. But the the special effects are kind of goofy. It has a lot of hitches and, and weirdness that might be part you know problem of watching an old DVD from Netflix. Um, but it's a little more cheesy and hammy than I was expecting. But as a kid, on that that particular night, it freaked me the the f out. Well, you know, uh, you know, we just talked about an M Night Shyamalan produced movie. Uh, you know what part of Poltergeist he ripped off, which I think is the best trick. Yeah, that's the best gimmick in Poltergeist. Doesn't that still hold up, Dingus? I didn't hear what you said. The chair sequence, when uh, the camera goes down with Joe Beth Williams putting something in a cupboard and comes back up and all the chairs are stacked on the table. Um, I was expecting something a little more subtle, so when that happened, when they were all sort of stacked on top of the table, it was a little sillier than I was expecting. When the, when the chairs, when they first moved back, that's really creepy. And that it takes place in daylight, it's creepy, too, especially because the little girl is right up there against that little kitchen TV set. But when they're all, because of the shape of the chairs, when they're all sort of crowned on top of the table, it was a little goofy for me. And then it turns into a game for them where they're just, like, watching the chair slide across the floor and they're watching her slide across the floor. It's, it's this goofy game that goes on. Now, I'm not saying there aren't creepy things about it. It's just not as, as creepy as I remembered it. But it did creep me as a child, and I just shouldn't have watched it this week. All right, when that happens to you, uh, you turn around, and you then turn back around, and all the chairs are stacked on your dining room table. I expect you to laugh and think that it's not creepy. <laughs> well, if, if my five-year-old goes, hey, look, <laughs> I'll be fine. The clown's creepy, and the tree and the kid creeped me. Uh, the, the clown's definitely creepy. Does it seem like a wretched way to die? <laughs> Get eaten by a tree. <laughs> the tree doesn't really work, <laughs> and, but it might have been the DVD I was watching, because it's not clear how he gets out of the tree. They just sort of flop out of the, the tree. Yeah, just jump, just pulls him. Yeah, but and the special effects of like the lamp floating in front of the paranormal investigator's face and turning on, and the, and the stuff twirling in the room, it's, it's a little bit dated. What about uh, when the guy's peeling his face off in the mirror? Remember that being good. Is that still good? Eh, it's all right. All right. What about the gateway to hell in the closet? That's kind of good. Is that good? It, it, for me, it just didn't hold up. I, I, again, this is not necessarily flaws in the movie. It's just that my memory had magnified it so much in the ensuing years that I shouldn't have gone back to it. I should have just let it sit as something that creeped me out. I guess that's what happens when you combine Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> right. Kind of what you hear. All right, so Poltergeist number three. Uh, my well, also, uh, uh-huh. go ahead, go ahead, Kelly. One. I was going to say the Indian's really creepy in the second one. I never got to the second one. Oh, uh, dude, who directed the second one? one? Uh, I don't know. All right, uh, uh, Taylor. Strung out on I'm going to say Taylor Hackford. Since Toby <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill me. All right, my number three. Uh, I actually had to look this one up. I only remembered a scene from it. And I had to look up the name of the movie. And it's got a couple of different names. It's got an obvious name, but here's the one it's technically called. This is a 1977 made-for-TV movie. How cheesy is this? Called It Happened at Lakewood Manor. Does that do anything for you guys? Do you know what that is, Kelly Wand? You don't know what that is. No. Okay. Mine's similar to that. Here's Here's the other title. It was later released on VHS... Uh, under the title Ants, <laughs> which is exactly what happened at Lakewood Manor. <laughs> so A U N T S? Nope. <laughs> it's just A N T S. They're not even giant. Uh, 
So I feel like I've told the story a million times. So I've, everybody who's heard this one before can leave and, and come back in, in three minutes. Uh, so it happened at Lakewood Manors about this, this resort where they're doing construction next door. And the construction uh, somehow unearths a nest of ants that are super poisonous. I think they're like insecticides have made them super poisonous. And so the ants start killing guests at Lakewood Manor. And the deal with these ants is they crawl on you, and they won't mess with you until you, like, breathe on them or wiggle or move or slap at them. And then they, like, lethally start stinging you, and you die. And early on in the movie, Suzanne Summers is laying there, like, half-naked. Like, she's got sheets strategically placed on her because it's made for TV. And the actors in this movie, they, they literally, like, pour ants all over them. So she's got ants crawling all over her while she's sleeping. And then she wakes up, and she freaks out. And the ants kill her, and she dies. And the, the shot on the, the VHS rental box is of her cleavage with ants all on it. And it looks really uh, weird. It says ants, and it's Suzanne Summer's cleavage, and there's ants all over it. So what happens in the end of this movie is some people, including Robert Foxworth, are trapped in the, the manor. And the ants have surrounded it, and they're starting to get in. And they, they try to, like, block the doors, but the ants still get in. So they go up to the second story, and the ants start crawling up the stairs. And I'm, I'm at home watching this as a kid. And so they, they try to go higher up, but the ants keep coming up. And while they're waiting to be rescued by a helicopter, they have to sit in, a, in chairs. There are three people back to back, and they have to sit perfectly still. Because if they move, the ants will start biting them. So the ants, they start saying, uh, uh, Susan, uh, Susan Day George, no, Melissa Day George, Susan Day George, what, what, anyway, uh, she's a TV actress, she's in it, and she says, I can feel them on my foot. And sure enough, there's a shot of, you know, they put ants all over her feet and legs, and you're starting to crawl up, and Robert Fox is like, don't move, do not move, as long as we don't move, as long as one of them doesn't bite us, you know, they won't all hide in and we'll be safe, don't even breathe on them. And the other guy's like, I can feel them on my hand. And sure enough, there's like ants crawling all over this actor's hand. And it just, you got to itch. It looks weird. And the music is doing this, this little plinky kind of thing. And it's putting you on edge. And the ants are starting to crawl up them. And they get to the point where they have to put these rolled up paper tubes in their mouth to breathe. Because otherwise, they'll breathe on the ants. And the ants will start biting them. And the ants are starting to crawl up their neck and into their face. And I'm watching this movie. And the dryer goes off with a loud buzz. And I scream. Like, ah! <laughs> and at that point, that was what made my mom not let me see horror movies. Like, <laughs> I was not allowed to sneak off the tentacles. I was not allowed to watch. This reminds me of tentacles. I wasn't allowed to watch Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea because she thought I would freak out in the giant squid scene. Uh, and it's all—I blame a combination of the dryer and the movie. It happened at Lakewood Manor. So she didn't ban the dryer. That's you'd think. Just stop drying clothes. You know, use a clothes. Into your fear of dryers. <laughs> so, all right, that's my number three. I love that story. I just love that story. It's so great, and it reminds me. Uh, you talking about those ants crawling on them and they can't move reminds me of the movie I saw earlier tonight. It just made me happy. Thank you. Poltergeist. No, no, no. What did you say? Yeah, it was a it was a movie I saw because of the of the podcast, and I never got around to it because I was freaking out on you so much. What was it? It was Wreck, the first time I saw Wreck. Oh, oh, the original Wreck. Right. You just watched that today. Uh, right, because this director who did uh, right. Devil also did Quarantine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's a moment there where it's like, you can't, don't move, don't. Move. Oh, that's right, that's right. Don't see Wreck 2, by the way. I won't, but Wreck was great. Oh, yeah. Kelly, Wand, have you seen Wreck? No, it's the one I haven't seen. It's a documentary about firefighters. 
All right. <laughs> well, I saw the quarantine. <laughs> oh, you jerk. Well, I can't it, believe it, how good that movie was, Tom. I mean, I you really, you sometimes you undersell movies. Uh, or I don't listen. I should have listened more to you on this. This was really good. I guess I. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I'm proud of you, Dingus. You're, you're turning out to be like a a horror movie aficionado. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. <laughs> well, Job was a horror. <laughs> how dare you? All right, Kelly Wan. What's number three? Uh, here's the, here, here's the thing, Kelly Wan. Dingus and I are so looking forward to finding out what movies freaked you out as a kid. So yeah, yeah this, my number one is awesome, and yeah. the other two are boring. So you have to wait for my number one. Okay, to be impressed. Okay, here's a quote from my number three. Oh, have you read Star Maker by Olaf Stapleton? That's must reading too. <laughs> Squid and the Whale. <sighs> Zapped. <laughs> Oh, nobody knows this, Kelly Wand. What is it? Zap can't traumatize. Does Cannonball it? Run? Mm. Cannonball Run traumatized me a little. But Last Look in the Bandit. Last Starfighter. <sighs> I don't know who Olaf Stapleton is. Is he related to Edith Stapleton? Oh, Schindler's List. <laughs> I never expected metal ships. Dark Star? You guys are lame. That's right. I hate this podcast. <laughs> oh, come on. Put your elbow grease into it. Well, I can Google it. <laughs> uh, forget it. It's uh, the second Body Snatchers, the one with uh, Goldblum in it. Philip Kaufman's one, yeah. Yeah, Philip Kaufman's one. That's one where everybody dies wretchedly, and you get to see life under the Body Snatchers at the end. You get to see, like, under the body snatchers? Oh, oh, yeah, you can see them, like, how they're, what their society would be like. You see that in the first one. No, you don't. When? Yeah, you do. Uh, when the town all comes together and they're loading up the truck to ship all no, the... No, that's when they're off. still trying to conquer. Now, in, in the Philip Kaufman one, you get to see, okay, they've already conquered everything, and they still go to, like, work at the health food place. <laughs> or the health <laughs> inspection. Like, they still have health inspection, even though they're pods. Even though they're vegetables, still eat. Because that's right. In the original one, it implies that they cut it off, that they they intercept the the yeah. They made him add that to the ending. But there's something. There's always a mistake in the first one that kind of makes it not like it's a traumatizing movie. But the part where uh, Becky, like the main, the female lead, isn't that and isn't isn't that the super hot Veronica Cartwright, who looks like Portia, the girl from uh, Youth and Revolt? Yeah, you know. Isn't it Veronica Cartwright, though? Isn't she the one who makes it to the end at the Philip Kaufman Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, but then... Yeah. Well, the, and then and is that the traumatic moment, the Donald Sutherland weird scream? No, it was before that when he goes to work, and uh, all the pods are still at his work. That part kind of traumatized me. Cause I when did you see that? Do you remember the circumstances I, when you saw it? Uh, I saw it in the theater. Uh, but anyway, in the first one, when Becky gets turned, she just falls asleep for a second, and then she opens her eyes, and then she's a pod. But that's not how it works. It's like the pod's a different thing. And so your body just dissolves. It turns into ash. But they didn't do that with her. So that always annoys me when I see the original. Oh, you're, oh, oh I see what you're saying. Wait. Yeah, like when they go into a cave or something? Yeah. And then she just, she goes, she nods off for a second, and then she wakes up, and she goes, yep, they were right. It's awesome. 
They just waited, waited, and waited, and waited. But it's you like asking a pod. Yeah, see? That was the first uh, You Can't Go to Sleep movie I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And I was I was already an insomniac kid, so that I saw it like just at the age where I was already having trouble sleeping, and I haven't been able to sleep since. So I blame it all for that. Thanks, movies. Okay, that's my number three. All right, good one. Think that's what, the least interesting one. That's a good one, though. I I remember being freaked out. I mean, that that Donald Sutherland scream is famous, of course, but uh, I want to I want to rewatch that. Also, the the guy with the the hobo with the dog. Oh, yeah, so he kicks the pod, and he's like half dog, half dude. That was kind of because they fall asleep, they fall asleep together. Yeah, and the pod so doesn't fell. understand. Oh yeah, right. wow. So that seems worse even than becoming a pod, is you're not only a pod, but you're also half dog too. Wow, oh, that's dog. like a that's like a the thing kind of moment, isn't it? Yeah, they right. are the fly, which means there's also like a dog's head on another pod with the dude's body playing banjo somewhere else in San Francisco. <laughs> that's you, the Mars Attacks moment. Oh, that's right. Good. Uh, yeah. Right, see? Uh, did you see the uh, the Oliver Hirschbagel remake, Kelly Wand? The one with Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig? Yeah, it sucks hard. I hate it. I but it could have been cool. Like, I liked what he was kind There's of... There's one good part. scene where they're making people jump off the building, and then if people scream who are watching, they know they're human. That's like the one good scene in that whole movie, and the rest of it's wretched and awful. But wasn't that there was like a lot of studio interference? Yeah, and at the end, all the people who are pods get turned back. So right? Yeah, I know. Daniel yeah. Craig, I hate that. I fucking hate that. <laughs> That's what was awesome about Slither. Is in the end, the whole town's still dead at the end of Slither. Like, if, once you become a monster, you're jacked. That's something bugging about the faculty too. Is at the end of the faculty, we've seen like John Stewart like get his eyes stabbed out and stuff. But I guess they're all back to normal at the end. Of you can when you when that happens, Kelly Wan, just pretend the movie ended ten minutes earlier and you'll be fine. That's how I like to enjoy the War of the Worlds movie that Steven Spielberg did. <laughs> Before they get to Boston. Yeah, they don't get to Boston. What are you talking about? I don't think they get to oh, Boston sorry. in that movie. Yeah, I don't remember that part. In the Hirschbagel one, they have people jump off a building, and if they scream, they're not pod people. Right, that's, yeah, they know that there's... That's very, people. like, Salem witch trial-y. No, the people watching. Oh, oh, all right. The pods are doing it to out us. Okay. I thought they were I pushing people off, and if they said, <laughs> well, that's not... Oh. <laughs> oh, and then uh, there's a part where she's watching TV, and the pods have taken over, and then you see all the... No one's fighting. It's like... Right, we kids. withdraw from Iraq. Exactly. Yeah, and then at the end... They show, they show the wars are all back on, like, yup. Don't worry, the pods are all taken care of. And then the president goes, yes, for better or worse, we're human now. And I'm like, yep. yeah, okay. Whatever moral equivalence. All Come right, on. so that's your that's your number three. Being a pod would be worse than that, isn't it? I think Kelly, it wouldn't be that bad, Kelly Wong. Join us. You just go to sleep. There's no war, there's no strife, there's no jealousy, there's no hatred. Because you know that you sleep. Do you have to sleep once you're a pod, or you, you never sleep again? I don't know. Maybe you get repotted every night. Who knows? But you still have to keep your job at the health food inspection place. You know, it's a metaphor for communism, Kelly Wand. I don't think you can push it very far. Do you get paid more? <laughs> 
<laughs> what are the benefits? All right. That's my number three. Dingus, what is your number two movie that traumatized you as a child in, in the 80s when you finally saw it after you'd grown up? Um, before I get to that, I just want to say that Insomniac Kid is going to be the name of my new band. <laughs> it's a Radiohead album. Uh, all right. Uh, this, uh, the, my number two and one are both films that traumatized me as a child without having seen them. Um, and this number two is a film that I hadn't seen but really freaked me out having not seen it. And I still haven't seen it, actually, now that I come to think of it. And uh, it's a 1978 film called Piranha. What? <laughs> what? I'm not kidding you. I, I didn't get... Ex- okay, the first film that I ever went to see in the theater was Jaws. And uh, my parents took me that. I can't for the life of me figure out what the heck they were thinking. But most of the film I had... My, my dad put his hand over my eyes and all the scary parts. So I really didn't have a sense for what Jaws was. I just knew that it was sort of this amorphous thing. But I'd been sort of in the room for it and kind of got some resolution from living through the experience. Uh, but but Piranha, I had seen, I, I'd seen trailers, which I talked about when we did Piranha 3D. Uh, so I had this really strong image in my head of, of something going on in the trailer. And, and I'd seen posters for it. And so I understood that it was it was sort of a lake resort or a summer resort, that kind of thing. And um, I used to go to Pennsylvania with my dad every summer and every, and every Christmas. And one summer when my dad and I went to Pennsylvania to visit his relatives is when I lived in Virginia. And again, this is more about me than about the movie. Uh, on the way back down from Pennsylvania, we... Dad decided we'll we'll camp out a couple of days at this resort in Berkeley, West Virginia, called Cool Font, and it was this big resort with uh, probably a, a man-made lake, but it was some kind of lake, and it was a really pretty area. You could swim, and there was a a, a platform you could jump off of, and dive in and swim around, and I I remember just being completely terrified of that water because it wasn't like pool water you couldn't see down through it it wasn't like the beach where you could sort of wade in you would just jump in off of this platform and then swim back and climb back out and it it was impossible for me to determine how deep it was and every time i jumped in all i could think of was those little piranhas and i was Mm. terrified i was just i can still remember and it still makes my skin crawl to think about it about just not being able to see into the murky water at all, and and I could I, I really didn't swim a lot at all during that entire like time we stayed there, and it was a gorgeous place. But all I could think about was piranha, and I hadn't even seen the movie, so that movie creeped me out so much that it ruined this wonderful little getaway that I went on with my dad. Now, Dingus, well, okay, there's a, here's a problem with your story. You you have a younger sister. That's true. Why didn't you make her get in the water first to make sure that it was clear yeah, of piranhas? Canary. Which is what I did with my sister after seeing Jaws. Just make your younger sister get in the water first, and that, exactly, it's that canary in a coal mine thing. The little sister in the water. That would be a good idea, except my sister's 14 years younger than I am. Mm, let me, let me so do some quick math. Hold on. She wasn't really yeah, around. So and my sister is also the daughter of my mom and stepdad, and I was with my father, and there were no other kids to throw in the water. Well, that's my, too much my brother, yeah. not even close to coming around. He's 20 years younger than I am. So there was nobody, there was I, nobody to use as a canary. It was I, all me. 
Right. My dad might have been using me as the canary. Aha! <laughs> uh, but I some with you on this one? Freep. So, ugh, I couldn't even stand that water. My earliest memories of falling in water, like, head, like, backwards, and then my dad going, no worry, it's going to be cool, got you, and then, like, lifting me out. And then when I saw Prana, the guy, in the, the dad in the movie, who gets uh, eaten in the boat with his son, looked kind of like my dad. Wow. <laughs> that movie kind of freaked me out, too, because we'd gone fishing, and I had the same experience Dingus did. Prana was always like, uh, it's got the dad scene. <laughs> Well, so much was left to my imagination. I don't know. I don't remember the the trailers for the film, and I didn't go back and look at them. Um, I just remember the water sort of roiling, and the guy's hand, and just the the idea that there's this unseen thing, and there's no way to see, and there's no way to know mm-hmm. how deep it is, and and I'm just and nobody else. Yeah. If you think about it re- rationally, there's no reason. It's broad daylight. There's tons of people around, but I no. could not get over it. I Hello, not. that's how it happened in the movie. Oh, good point. Broad daylight, tons of people around. That's not going to stop her on us. That's right. I would think it's going to I don't like that. I don't like water. I don't like murky water. I'm not supposed to be in that. It's not natural. <laughs> Diving's freaky. Can't, I don't know how people do that. We're not supposed to be in the water. Uh, I'll away from it for a reason. Exactly, yeah. Munched yeah. by teeth. And you, you and can't I'm... control it. You can't, you're stuck. You can't move. You can't breathe. Open water. Ready? All right, Tom, it's your turn. I'm creeping out. Uh, My number two also begins with the letter P. Uh, Let me give you a line. You ready? The funeral is about to begin, sir. Phantasm? (laughs) Yeah. Yay. You got one, Kelly. Phantasm did traumatize me. I just thought it was fascinating. Well, that's, I, I think that's where I sort of first decided, you know, I, this horror movie thing, I'm going to have to explore this further. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. scared of it. It's freaking me out. I've got to understand why. Uh, and I didn't see Phantasm in the theaters. I, I, as a kid that lived down the hill from me, had one of these newfangled VCR things, and his older brother had a copy of Phantasm. Uh, and I just remember watching it at his house and just having no idea what to make of all that like crazy stuff where the finger gets chopped off and then it turns uh-huh. into a bug and it flies into his hair and then yeah. there's these crazy little Jawa dwarf things and uh, they're yeah, in an ice cream truck. Uh, it's actually their dad. Or no, no, it's their yeah. older brother. It's their older brother. Their parents are dead. Um, uh. So Phantasm, and, and the, the, the cool thing about Phantasm is it, Unlike it happened at Lakewood Manor, uh, Phantasm holds up. Like, Phantasm is such a good movie about, like, it's a coming-of-age movie. I mean, it's about this little kid being confronted with, you know, the reality of death and growing up. And that's part of what growing up is. Like, Phantasm is, Don Coscarelli has never done anything quite like it. I mean, he's tried for so long since then. Uh, Usually with Phantasm in the title. Yeah, and some of those are just horrible. Uh yeah, but so I just remember just being so fascinated by what was going on. I think it was also the first time I saw uh, breasts in a movie, and that'll that'll freak a, a kid out. Ouch. Uh, yeah, who's breasts? I don't remember breasts. There, there. It's very so early on. The little kid's older like. brother, his surviving older brother, uh, goes to a bar and meets a woman, and the little kid's following his older brother around because he's so freaked out about their other brother dying. So he follows the, the, his older brother to a bar, the surviving one, and, and the older brother uh, is chatting up this woman who looks kind of awkward. It's not that hard. I mean, I, maybe that's what good-looking was back then. I don't know. But uh, 
the guy's wanting to run off and make out with her, and the little brother gets freaked out, and, and the older brother runs him off and says, get out of here, you know, go home. And so uh, he goes into the graveyard with the woman, and the little brother follows, and the woman uh, is actually the tall man in disguise. Uh, mm. And the little kid bursts in on them and, and saves them. So actually, that's not where the breasts were. The breasts were in the very opening scene where the tall man kills their older brother. Disguised as the woman, they're making out in the so grave. It's the tall man's breast. Exactly, and it's a little. That's a little freaky in and of itself. Uh, There's one in one of the sequels. Uh, chick's boobs are the are the balls. She's like the balls in her boobs. Good lord, I don't remember that. Wow. <laughs> I, I seem to recall that Phantasm Two isn't terrible, right? Because it has this cool. Uh, I saw that one at the theater. Yeah, and it it it. it, it like it 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 catches. It happens at the same instant. And so you find out how they get out of the uh, the end of the first one. Oh, that's right, right, right. Yeah, because the, the end tall of the- man comes out of a mirror and takes uh, I forget the young the bounty Jody kid's name. No, no, right. Jody is wait is no, Jody's, Jody's the older, older brother? Who's Jody's the older brother and Mike Mike's the younger one I think. And Reggie is Reggie. Reggie's their friend, right, right. Reggie's their friend who's yeah, like has the awesome shotgun in the second one that's like cut yeah. to to like spray in a wide arc. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> The second one's good. I, I, I'm bummed they never spent too much time in the other dimension because I wanted them to, like, full-on raid that place. But I guess they can't because of the gravity. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. dwarves. Dingus, yeah. you ever see Phantasm? I think I did, but I don't, I don't see movies that have asm at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that dingus. <laughs> Just when you least suspect Dingus has one in the chamber... <laughs> but the the Phantasm movies jump the shark when you find out that the tall man was once a human dude in the 1890s. That's the first Phantasm movie I ever went. Uh, well, no, you really find, no, no, you find that out in the first movie. And it's not that he was a human dude. But, he's immortal. No, the, the little boy, the, uh, Mike, sees pictures uh, when he goes to the creepy old Bene Gesserit grandmother's house. Uh, <laughs> he, he sees pictures of the tall man in, you know, in that in the 1800s on a in a carriage, you know, the funeral home's uh, carriage. Uh, I like that. I thought that was just another tall man. Like he was an alien, but from back then. No, he's an alien, but he's like immortal. You know, you can't kill that well, guy. Okay, I'm, oh yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the fourth one, you find out there was a human tall. I don't, I don't like that. The fourth one didn't happen. That's what I'm saying. Right, so <laughs> I can't. All right, so, still alive. Right, Angus Scrim is still with us. He is. He. Uh, I saw a screening of Phantasm at the at the Hollywood Cemetery maybe two years ago, and he was there. He was there to introduce the movie. It was awesome. I actually walked up to Don Coscarelli and and said I just want to uh, you know thank you you were a, a large part of my childhood and I yeah. I really appreciate that and he made some comment like wow I was part of your childhood that's kind of messed up <laughs> wow. they're all messed up <laughs> it was an awesome childhood thanks to Don Coscarelli yeah. Um, media horror fan that I am today. So, yeah. All right, Kelly Wand, what is your number two movie that traumatized you as a tiny little child? Uh, I like Phantasm. I don't think it traumatized me, though. I think it made me a better person. Mm-hmm. My number two, there's two separate things that traumatized me in all of these. <laughs> My number two is kind of a mere bookend of Dingus's. It's the movie Orca with Richard <laughs> And Bo Derek. <laughs> and Bo Derek, yes. She gets her uh, be casted leg bit off, doesn't she? Yeah, that freaked me out heavily. Like, uh, it's like 
because you can't. It's like bad enough your legs broken. In bones. <laughs> I was really obsessed with with broken bones. Like I hadn't broken a bone. I still haven't, actually. But when I was a kid, it was just something like a cast be the worst thing ever. And then you get your leg bitten off too. Oh, <laughs> what a nightmare! And then also the scene early on where Richard Harris catches the mom orca and then it gives birth. I oh my god! Oh geez, I forgot it. Wow, you're you're, so you're a baby you're... whale and they hose it off the deck and I'm like, ugh. You're re-traumatizing me, Kelly Wand. I did not need I, to remember that. I know it's probably the harsh. And I'm like, did they fake that or what? It's like the mom dies and the baby. Because doesn't the mom get like chopped up in the propeller in the prop on the in the propeller? Actually, I think they harpooner. Oh, okay. She gives birth bloodily on the on the deck. and yeah, like she's freaking out and making like whale sounds. Yeah. Oh God, Kelly Wan, don't tell me this. Isn't that horrible? You're That's now making horrible. me think of another movie. Have you ever seen a movie called Prophecy about this weird mutant bear thing that's caused by toxic waste? No, sounds good. I remember. Oh gosh, I might have to replace my number. Sounds one. less traumatizing than Orca. Well, that one freaked me out because there's these people right in the woods and they find this weird little creepy mutant bear cub thing. It's like a little monster. And then the mama mutant bear, of course, wants it back, and it's making, like, weird sounds. I remember, wow, I remember sneaking into the theater to see that after being dropped off to see, you know, like, the computer wore tennis shoes or something like that. I meant to, oh. to see something like that, and then I... How see, ironic and, you said that. Why is that? Let's see. Okay. Uh, and and I remember sitting in there and thinking, seeing that little weird mutant bear cub squealing and just feeling all weird and thinking, this isn't right. Why does someone want to sit in a movie and feel this way? Uh, and, and really questioning, you know, why am I watching this horror movie that's really just making me all... Ew? Yeah. I'm not sure I ever found the answer for that, but... Uh, so, but yeah, wow. So you just you just reminded me of that with, with the orca scene, Kelly Wan. Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah, when people get fucked up in movies, I don't mind. But when animals do, I always yeah. it always unhinges me. Because I always go, is it fake? Is it like a Milo and Otis thing? How do they kill the orca? Uh, well, on the poster, they're just all on top of it, trying to stab it with harpoons while it eats their boat. But they're riding it? <laughs> yeah. It looks kind of like the picture in the book in Jaws that the mom sees, and she goes, John, get out of the water. Get out of the boat. <laughs> they just took that picture and went, all right, this is Orca. Is that how they kill It's Richard Harris, though. Does He, he doesn't ride the killer whale, does he? Maybe it kills him. I forget how Orca ends. Okay. I think I, it honestly doesn't. He's super old in it, right? Isn't he, like, all Quinty? It's got to be, yeah. It's got to be like Jaws with Quint as the main character without a Matt Hooper and a Chief Brody. And his sister had said, Orca, the killer whale, exclamation point. Like, it's not just called Orca, but they're like, <laughs> flowery. Because they don't want people to think that it's about the boat in Jaws. It's never, that movie's never on, ever. I, I totally want to see if Orca holds up. But I'm, I dread seeing that scene again, and maybe it'll be... I'll go, yeah, they used a real baby whale. <laughs> God. I, I won't be able to handle it. Because <laughs> how do you fake that? I don't know. Just so you know, Kelly Wand, there are no real killer whales at the end of Tentacles. Mm. I don't want dolphins. you freaked out. It's not dolphins, it's killer whales. The Free Willy whale died tragically, too. So Free Willy would have traumatized me. No, he yeah. killed his trainer. No. Oh, too soon. <laughs> That's it. Okay, too sorry. Soon. Wow, I'm I'm over two tonight with the Chilean miners and the killer <laughs> whale train. Gosh, okay. No one cares about that stuff. All right, let's go to Dingus's number one movie that traumatized him as a little child. Hmm. Dingus, do you have a line for us? Uh, or is this a movie you haven't seen? 
Uh, this is a movie I had not seen at the time, and then I saw it, and it completely it diffused it for me. But I hadn't seen it as a kid. So it, it traumatized also, you until you saw it, right? Okay. Uh, the cure was seeing it. It also begins with P, in uh, keeping with our last couple choices, and it also begins with a silent P in keeping with your last choice. Psycho. Yep, it is psycho. Huh. Um, I I hadn't seen this. I mean, it, uh, it was 1960. There was no How way quaint. I'd seen it. I know <laughs> it is very quaint. Um, but uh, the the I had three easy choices actually, and then one of them I had to disqualify because it's it it came out far later than I thought it would be because I and I really couldn't stretch that into childhood. It it just disturbs me. It didn't creep me out as a child, but Psycho actually really disturbed me as a kid. And uh, and I hadn't seen it, and I'm and I was racking my brain this week to try to think of why it freaked me out so much. And I think I must have just heard my mom talking about it, and 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 talking about it with her sisters. I think because uh, for years um, when I was growing up, if uh, if my parents left me alone uh, at night, uh, you know I I could not take a shower alone. Um, and all, because all I could think about were the images, and, and maybe they watched it late at night. Maybe it was just the because it's in the popular, I don't know, consciousness. Um, I was terrified to take a shower because of the images in my head of of the film Psycho, and I think really because I knew it terrified my my mother and her sisters. I don't remember any of the males in my family talking about it. But uh, but again, I lived in at, at this particular point. Even until I was uh, a young teenager, um, lived in Colorado, pretty removed from everybody else, um, and maybe one street light on the entire street, and it was just dark when it was dark there, which was great because you could see a lot of stars at night. But but if I was home alone, uh, the idea of taking a shower terrified me uh, because the idea of what would be on the other side of that curtain, I, I just remember that so vividly and thinking I've, I've never seen that movie and it just freaked me the hell out. And, um, and seeing it, I don't think it's that scary to be honest. You're laughing <laughs> at Psycho. Oh my God. You're laughing at a classic Hitchcock movie. How dare well, I can't help it. The, the very end where the cop t- explains everything just completely diffuses that movie for me. <laughs> but but my, part of it might have been just that I built it up so much in my in my little kid you know, imagination. That, that Wait, what ending um, are you talking about? The part where they just talk for 20 minutes about the cop? <laughs> where the cop explains psychology. Right. He thought that, he was his mother, but he wasn't his mother. <laughs> he explained it all over again. Really slow. <laughs> The story of the film so far, yeah. But right. but not knowing it and only having images of it. And I mean, this is this is one of the things. This and Piranha are and indulge me for just a second here. Are one of the reasons, are two of the reasons, I guess, uh, why why all uh, you know so many billboards and posters and trailers are things that that freak me out as a parent you know, because these things all impact my kid. And even if I'm not going to let him watch certain things before he's ready, he's still going to see them. He's still going to see 
kick-ass uh, splayed all over the place. He's still going to see kick-ass everywhere. Or he's going to see scary images from scary movies. Like there's, there's Chain Letter I, I saw. And he's going to see that. And he's going to ask me questions about that because he's a clever kid and he can read. And he's five. And, and he's interested in those types of things. And they're going to impact him. And there's no way to protect him from, you know, TVs that are on at Best Buy or Costco or whatever showing images that you know, no matter what I don't want him to see, He's going to be impacted, and I and I knew, know that, you know, and I sort of revisited that as I was thinking this week about a couple films that I hadn't even seen but still had such a profound effect on my behavior as a kid, and so Psycho is my number one. I like the part where the detective gets killed, too. That was kind <laughs> of hardcore. It's like that over-the-head shot. Huh. Yeah, Tom, this dumb. No, no, Psycho, Psycho's good. I, I, I think Psycho is better. Like, the thing that I think Psycho doesn't get enough credit for is something that Night of the Living Dead does that we just, Dingus and I just saw last night. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it, it's that, it's the shift of who the main character is. And I love that in a movie. And I love how Psycho mm-hmm. plays with that. But the rest of Psycho, I can take it or leave it. Uh, you know, I love that early on it's a movie about, hey, a chick who works in a bank, and oh, she's embezzling, and oh, what's going to happen? Whoa, she's dead. Now it's another movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's her sister, <laughs> Fred Mertz. Uh, and, and Night of the Living Dead does a little bit of that, where, you know, you meet these two characters, one of them gets killed, and the other one goes catatonic for the rest of the movie. Uh, I love mm-hmm. I love that, uh, that sort of fake out. Um, to Live and Die in yeah. L.A. kind of does that, doesn't it? Uh, that's a terrifying film. <laughs> but doesn't the, I don't want to spoiler. But uh, anyway, so I like that about Psycho. A devil does that for some people named Tom. Uh, don't get me started. Dingus, <laughs> uh, your your thing about your son. So here, this is my uh, here here's as a kid. So the number one movie that freaked me out, and I, I was sure someone else would pick this, was Jaws. Um, and here is what I went through dealing with what you're talking about, Dingus. I remember seeing that, that picture of Jaws, you know, the shark coming up with a woman and being so freaked out by that as a kid and wanting to know, well, what's going to happen next? Because, <laughs> you know, that's like, is she going to get away? You know, and, and that's the sort of thing that, that I imagine your son thinks when he sees pictures like that is, okay, there's this provocative image. Where do I go with this? So for Jaws, I remember reading the book and thinking, oh, okay, so that's what's going on, and then wanting to see the movie. And I, it, I read the book before the movie came out, and my yeah. mother took me to the movie, and I remember sitting in line. I remember well, standing in line. Like, it, you know, this was the first, like, summer blockbuster, historically speaking. I mean, this, was, this sort of set the tone for how movies would be made and marketed and released uh, for decades afterwards. So we go to see Jaws that summer. We're in line, and I remember sitting in line with her, and I was just so excited. And I remember telling her, you know, oh, the movie, you know, the previous screening, knowing that there's people in there right now seeing this movie and telling her, you know what's probably happening right now? This is probably the part where the, the shark jumps out of the water and, and Quint yells at it. Oh, this is probably the part where Hooper's getting killed. You know, I'm saying all these things to her. And I'm, I'm, in my little, uh, I guess I was like 10 or whatever, in my little 10-year-old head, I'm, I'm imagining what's going on while we're in line. And I know there's people in there watching it. We get into the theater. And we're watching the movie, and the moment that Ben Gardner's head rolls out from under the boat, and, and you know, while Matt Hooper's down in there, I close my eyes. I was like, I can't look, and I, I hid my face, <laughs> and I didn't see another frame of the movie after that. But what? 
I did not. I did not. I stopped looking at that. Oh, I peaked really? At times, but and and then later on, I th- I do remember too, like peeking up and seeing when uh, Roy Scheider's throwing the chum out and the shark jumps out, and there there I literally did not get up from out from behind the seat. However, I kept asking my mom, "What's happening now? Now what's happening?" I mean, if I had been in the wow, th- with me cute. as a kid, I would have slapped me. I mean, I was that annoying little kid talking. Uh, and, and my, I was saying, what's happening? You know, I had to know what was going on, but I couldn't look. I was so torn. I was, I was just terrified, but I wanted to know. And what happened to me over the course of that summer, summer of, I guess, is this 70? 75. Yeah, oh, my gosh, so I was nine. I wasn't even 10. I was a little nine-year-old kid. Summer of 75, I must have gone back to see Jaws at least a half dozen times, maybe as many as 10 times. Uh, I would I would take my money, I would ride my bike to the theater, and I would sit in the theater and watch a little bit more. And I would get a little further and close my eyes the rest of it and maybe peek, but I kept my eyes closed. I would, And each time I went, I could watch a little bit more of it. And that summer was a struggle between me and that movie until I could sort of conquer my fears and see the entire thing. And it was an ordeal, and my mother let me go through it. I mean, I, you know, it was two years later that I freaked out with the dryer and that she shut that down. But in the mm. summer of 75, it was this, this struggle, this battle of, of wills. With me in that movie, I finally saw the whole thing, and I was just like a, I was a little Jaws freak for, you know, years after that. I loved reading about sharks. Um, but that movie so traumatized me, but so informed, like, how I approached, like, scary movies and... Uh, uh, so you watch them all a little bit at a time from that point. Forward. I defy them to to make me not see what's going on. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I have to watch, and I still do the little thing. I, what I don't like now is things jumping out at me. But I had a similar thing with uh, with Irreversible, for instance. You know, like horror films, I, I can take them or leave them now. I mean, I it's they're they're funny more often than they're not to me, but I enjoy them. But something like Irreversible, which was so hard to watch. Uh, and to this day, actually, I don't think I've seen all the rape scene in that. Like, that, that movie is still difficult to watch. But I think I've seen it three times, each time just sort of daring it to freak me out or disturb me as much as it did before until I could sort of finally conquer it. Um, so, that, that, you know, that's my narrative as a little kid, Dingus. I don't, I don't know how your son will deal with that, but I can imagine that. Like, he sees these things and... You know, I don't like. Does he not want anything to do with them? Does he want to challenge them? Does he want to know more? Uh, so Tom's advice to you for your parenting is to start him off on sharks until he makes his way up to rape. <laughs> oh, God. Well, he's he's so curious about things, and you know, like there was a National Guard recruitment poster or a billboard up, and the 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 image was like of an explosion. And in the foreground is a guy carrying a, a soldier carrying somebody on his back, and so Kiernan says, "What's going on in that picture? Where are the stoplight? What's going on in that picture? I, I, it looks like there's a guy on his back. What's going on in the background?" So it's clearly the gears are turning. What I love of that story, it's I just love hearing that story, Tom, and 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 I'm so happy now at this point that Kelly decided to do this uh, this three by three because. It's just there's just such a great coming of age feel yeah. to it. I mean, you could see sort of a coming of age movie of My Summer of Jaws, sort of <laughs> going through, and and I'm going to go through it, and and the the longer I can keep my eyes open, the more I'm growing. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. I love that story. All right, Kelly Wan, you said you have a good number one for us. 
Hey, remember the part in Jaws the book where Ellen's listening to Brody pee for a long time? The watermelon-sized bladder. Who could forget? Yeah. <laughs> and I asked my mom, I go, so is Brody really fat? Because I had seen the movie because I read the book first, too. And also remember the part where the kid's reading Peter Pan, or the dad's making the kid read Peter Pan? Oh, I don't remember that. Who's reading? Is it one of Brody's sons, or is it Alex? It's, a, it's two char- It's it's no one. It's like two characters who never show up again. And it's like I think a black dude and his son. And the son's all, "Hey, I want to read a novel, a book about a shark who eats people." And the dad's all, "No, let's let's do Peter Pan." We've <laughs> had enough for one night. God, I wonder what Jaws is like. The book, like, do you think that holds up? That's got to be terrible, don't you think? Remember, Hooper bangs Brody's wife. Yeah, they're having an affair. That's right. Yeah. The kid, what, I don't, like, what, what do I make of this? What the heck is going on there? Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Because there's parts of the story told to with the shark. Right, there's parts of the story told from her perspective where she's like fondly recalling recalling how how tender he is in bed or whatever. Yeah, there's <laughs> a kid. Thing, I, I think this is a sex scene. What's, yeah. what's going on here? We learned, I learned about. I read all those John Jakes. Uh, Patriot books too, the bastard and the like. That's where I learned about sex and the, and the plague. At the same time, in the pots. But also, I, I read the all that from Jaws. reading Godfather. Yeah, there's some good sex learnings in Godfather as well. Yeah. Um, but in Jaws two, it's like the scuba divers. The first chapter, Jaws two, the book mm-hmm. is like a whole bunch of stupid shit about their lives and like what they do, <laughs> and then they just get eaten instantly. It's like, yeah. isn't the book though like one of these novelizations of the movies? Like, no, if there's a dolphin in the book. It's more like tentacles. Did Peter Benchley write it? No, some dude named Hank Searles who so, didn't have the bent touch. <laughs> so Jaws two is that is also uh, is it is it faithful to the book pretty much? Uh, no. All right. I can't even remember. There's a dolphin who saves the day, or a porpoise. Glad they got rid of that thing in the movie. But they do. It is like the the second shark's the mom or the wife shark. It's like a whole family. But I guess they don't show up till the other one's dead. Hmm. All right. Because in Jaws the Revenge, it's the fourth shark, and he hasn't shown up till now. Never mind. Uh, my number and the one third is book a, is a three-dimensional book. Right, right. <laughs> it's a pop-up book. It is a third. I don't know if you know this thing, but the third Jaws is 3D. What? Did you not know that? It's a, the, the one with Lou Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid is a 3D uh, Jaws. And Bess Armstrong. I'm <laughs> glad we got in a, a Kelly Wand purr. I was worried it we takes weren't. Takes place get... in Marineland. That's right. Yeah, which is obviously Sea World. Oh wait, is Marineland a real place? No. Oh yeah, it's like a Sea World thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Birdland is. Birdland's a real place. The Amity. Uh... <laughs> Jaws. All right, Kelly. We all had we all had a a sea creature one, a different sea creature. Ah, that's true. Piranhas, sharks, and killer whales. Oh, my. Yeah. Hmm. I was younger than you, and Jaws didn't traumatize me. I was like, this movie's fucking great. Well, aren't you tough? Yeah. Well, because I read the book, and I go, I I did, too. And in the book, he just shoots it. He just shoots it with a bullet, doesn't he? Isn't that kind of like a lame-ass ending? (laughs) Uh, And in the book, doesn't Quint also gets dragged down like Ahab. Like, he just gets tangled up his corpse and dragged. Well, that's similar. That's similar to the movie. Well, yeah, come on. Being eaten alive? That's that's huge. I know. Is Quint cool in the book? I can't remember. I don't remember either. I don't know. He can't be as cool as Robert Shaw. I mean, Robert Shaw, that, that kind of blows it out of the water. I don't know what Peter Benchley did, but like that whole that whole uh, bit in front of the town meeting, you all know me. You know what I do for a living. 
Like yeah, apple thing? A cracker, a saltine cracker. So here's the stupid thing <laughs> I used to do as a kid. I used to eat a saltine cracker in the same way that Quint would. Like, you mm. eat one corner, you eat the second corner, and then the last half you just eat in one bite. <laughs> I just remember that. Watching Robert Shaw eat that cracker and going, I'm going to eat a cracker like that. <laughs> uh. It's the same thing that the led karate to... Karate kids are karate chopping the mailboxes. Very good, very good. What's wrong with my handwriting? Let Polly do it. <laughs> he, makes, he makes the old lady print the signs. Because uh, Kendricks, Kendricks is the deputy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in the book. Spoiler alert. Okay, uh, my number one. This is you guys are not. You have no idea what's coming. What? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Maybe uh, we should shut down the podcast for the summer then. <laughs> the listeners are this way ahead a, of you. On that. This is a big financial season for us. Is that a quote? From Piranha 3D. Oh. That's, that's Ving Rhames' equivalent to the, the mayor's line in Jaws. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. The Kintner kid all over the stock. Uh, okay, here's my quote. Wait, what is it? Oh, you're crushing perfectly good vitamins to give to a cow? Throw mama from the train? I'll give you a hint. Remember when I said it was ironic that you picked Word. computer? Tennis shoes. Is it War Games? <sighs> Something with Kurt Russell. Although mm-hmm. that would mean it's not ironic. I think Kelly Wand has misconstrued the definition of ironic. No, I haven't. He meant erotic. Air Force tennis shoes. <laughs> uh, the Shaggy uh, GA? No, that one kind of freaked me out, too. Is it one of the Herbie movies? No, those weren't freaky. I really like you guys. Even though we don't know this one? What's the other Kurt Russell one? Well, there are all those Disney things. I don't know. Overboard. Oh, I hate you. Backdraft. Uh, Dark Blue. It was, uh, it was a Disney movie called Strongest Man in the World. What? What? Remember that one? It's one where he eats the cereal and he gets super strong. There's two things that freak me out in it. Stadium you know what freaked out means? Yeah. They, the bad guys capture him. Well, it's freaky he was eating cereal, and it, like, blows up inside you. It was, like, eating nitroglycerin. That freaked me out. I totally got and this category wrong. The bad guys catch him, and they stick a pin in his skull to try and hypnotize him into lifting weights for them. That freaked me out. And then in the weightlifting competition at the climax of the movie... This one dude's lifting the weights, and he's he's really weak, and so his arms get stretched super long, and he's just stuck like that forever. That kind of freaked me out, too. And another guy gets stuck lifting weights. That kind of freaked me out. Okay, runner's up. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a Kurt Russell movie? Just one yeah. of those innocuous little Disney Kurt Russell movies? I know. Movies. All right. Yeah. It was like, uh, How old were you? Uh, seven. This was the same year as Jaws. Which didn't freak me out nearly as much as Strongest Man in the World. Strongest <laughs> Man in the World was deep. Was you're, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I guess so. Your weight was going to make fun of you until you said uh, they stuck a pin in his head. Yeah, they use acupuncture to hypnotize him. That was kind of freaking me out. That makes me think of Session 9. Hmm. Uh, I was too old uh, for that. But there was another... My original number two was this movie called oh, wait, End the- of the World. With yeah. uh, Christopher Lee. Did you ever see that? Where he's like an alien. 
Mm. You remember that one? Do not. I, I missed the title of what you just said. End of the world. It's mm-hmm. like the world blows up at the end. I was like, ah. Oh. And I was totally plaguing my mom. Like, ah, oh, the world's going to blow up. We've got to do something. She's like, no, it's just a story, all right? <laughs> just a thing. Well, I don't know. Look pretty real. <laughs> and also, uh, who's killing the great chefs of Europe? You remember that movie, Tom? With George Siegel. That is that an ironic title? Is that something that really happens in the movie? Yeah. And uh, it's really a movie about people killing chefs in Europe. Yeah, they all die in these weird ways, and one of them gets put in an oven, and then she finds like she goes, mm, it smells like ham or something." She oh, it's like a slasher movie. No, it's like a com- it's a wacky comedy with people dying. Oh, horribly. <laughs> so the tone was was tripping me out. All right, never mind. You mentioning the weightlifting thing. What not there a weightlifting death in the original Happy Birthday to Me, that horror movie, where the guy's like lifting weights and then his arms snap and the weight, the big old uh, bench press thing falls on his head? Or am I misremembering that? Was that that or was that Final Destination 3? Well, I mean, Final Destination 3 borrowed a lot of its stuff, and I, I think that was originally a death in Happy Birthday to Me, where I also right. remember someone getting skewered through the mouth with a shish kebab skewer, uh, and also somebody getting his scarf caught in the rear wheel of a motorcycle that pulls his face into the motorcycle tire and kills him that way. Oh, you know what's another one? Another good runner-up? Did you ever see a Scream and Scream Again? I like there's that title. Dude, there's two awesome parts. There's a part where a guy jumps into acid and dissolves. Ah, good. <laughs> and th- this, this is a great one. There's a guy who keeps waking up in a hospital, and every time he wakes up, he's missing another limb until he's out of limb. He's using awesome. the limbs to make something else somewhere. But it was like, I was worried, and it was like just some secondary character, but that's like the end of his story. Like, oh. That should be the whole movie. That's awesome. I know. Was that, that movie uh, was a trip. That, that's actually my number zero. Scream, scream again. Ugh. I wish that was on. And also Zombie, where the, I think a splinter goes in a chick's eye. Or something. Oh, that's the, the Fulci movie, right? The Italian? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the only good part. I didn't see any of those when I was young, but I'm sure they would have freaked Scream and Scream again, you should check out. I want to see what you think of that. I totally gave away the awesome money shot of that one guy. But yeah, well, now that it's been ruined. Movies. Oh, okay. There's probably a bunch of other stuff in it, though, that I don't remember. Because remember the whole movie was just like one disturbing scene after another and that's the only one that really stayed with me right. for a long time. But the guy on acid, I think he is also handcuffed to a bumper and he gets out, he pulls his wrist through the handcuffs or something wretched like that. Like he he cuts his he he pulls his hand off. That's what happens. And then he gets thrown in he jumps into the acid. Alright. Okay. Uh did, did you guys see magic when you were younger? The the Yeah the that's thing, just the weird but then when you find out that he's just nuts, it's not as creepy. Or is he? It's creepier when I thought he was a... Well, yeah, you see it, him. Well, you see it actually move its eyes when he's not uh, controlling it. Well, that's it's true. Cool. No, it, <laughs> that is actually a shot that's in there. There's, uh, there's very clearly a shot where uh, Fats moves while Anthony Hopkins isn't near him. Hmm. It's, uh, it's well, an accident, though. I actually heard in the commentary that that the guy controlling the dummy didn't realize that Anthony Hopkins had walked away and was still moving it. And they left the shot in just because Richard Attenborough thought it was creepy. Oh. I know. know. (laughs) So, like, hey, make a statement. Just so you can make your list. (laughs) Well, magic creeped me out anyway. I remember I had a cousin who had one of those ventriloquist dummies, and I 
That thing, I would not let that thing anywhere near me. I hate it. He would literally chase me around the room with that thing. Uh, I was so yeah. out by those. Well, the one in Twilight Zone was real. And then he... Uh, for that episode. I know there's an episode. The little, he finds like a totally evil little girl to be his new owner. Dingus wouldn't like it because they're all evil people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did the car freak you guys out? Uh, it was on what? last week, and it was awesome. I the was car is like it. Well, the car, yeah, you the know, car it's, is good. It's a Jaws ripoff, but with a, a car. Uh, I remember being... That That kind of freaked me out as a kid a little bit. Uh, and Dingus, uh, what's your runners up? Uh, I don't really have anything... Um, except the, for the one I had to disqualify late, uh, the the one easy one that I thought I was going to include early was uh, Blue Velvet, but that I watched that far too late in my in my life to really be considered <laughs> as freaking me out as a kid. But I, but again, I watched it alone late one night, and it just it just creeped me out. But it's it's you know I was probably eighteen or nineteen years old when I saw it, so that doesn't really count. Barely over the age of majority. Yeah, you can't use that one, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, I, I really... Uh, no, there's nothing else. All right. All right. All right, so there will be a thread. I'm curious to hear what everyone else was freaked out freaked out by as, as a kid. Uh, yeah, some of you younger folks weigh in. What, what freaks out, like, 20-year-olds? Like, what, what 10 years ago was freaking out little 10-year-old kids? I'm curious. Who knows? Dingus, what are we doing next week for a three by three? Ah, is it up to me now? Oh no, I'm sorry, it's my turn. Okay, next week's three by three. What movies freaked you out as an adult? <laughs> That's awesome. All right. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> no, it's over to you, Dingus. What do you got for us? Uh, All right, but yeah, before just... I give my three by three, I want to do a public service announcement and say, who's ever oh. been messing around with IMDb, cut it out. You know, you showed we saw that the other night, Dingus. When I pull up IMDb here in my house, it doesn't do that. Well, it keeps doing it over here, and I'm sick of it. Whoever's, whoever's messing around with IMDb, cut it out. If you go, I've seen if you go to like some of the pages, Kelly Wan, they've changed. For some people, the layout changes, but I don't know if it's some cookie thing or maybe I'm signed in. But I still get the old view, Dingus, because I looked up several things today for this. It happened at Lakewood Manor movie. And I didn't get that weird actor page that we saw last night. So that's happening at your house? Yeah. Will you send me the uh, the cookie or whatever, the link? Because I'm tired of that. I don't like that. That, that does like suck. It. Yeah. Kelly Wan, go to IMDb when you get a chance and let us know if uh, you've been cursed with this new interface that they've got. It's terrible. IMDb's dumb. Thank you. We're both on it, and our information is not accurate, Tom. But the, oh. the comment section is really worth it. <laughs> I'll bet they loved Devil on IMDb, just so you guys know. <laughs> you got you got me on that one. Dietrich yeah. on IMDb. You always get me. <laughs> All right, Dingus, what do you got for us next week? All right, so uh, next week's, um, you know, I feel a little bit guilty because it it, it turns out uh, this this uh, I've got a bunch in in my back pocket. Um, but I keep getting inspired by either the film we're watching or something I watched that week. And this, that's what happened this week. And it turns out this particular category was, is also sort of, is, is a riff on, on Tom's last category. Um, and it, it occurred to me while I was watching a movie um, this week and, and then when I went to see Devil as well. Uh, it sort of confirmed that I would go ahead and use this category. And so a couple of weeks ago, Tom talked about, or Tom's uh, excellent um, 
three by three was uh, seen shot through windows, which is a little odd, but it was it, and it was a lot of work, and I really, I, it turned out I really liked it. Uh, this is uh, this happened when I was watching one of the films that I intended for that, but didn't work for that at all. Uh, and this is uh, this is about reflections. So instead of scenes shot through windows or anything like that, and I didn't want to say mirrors because it's not really just about mirrors. Uh, it's, it's your top three uh, reflection moments because a lot of times uh, in photography, uh, one, of the inter- one of the things that really interests me is how reflection is used and how mirrors are used in photography. And how mirrors are used in film uh, is... Uh, is very interesting to me, and and the film we saw this week used mirrors, and I thought sort of didn't didn't use it to its full potential. But mm. uh, so this is your top three uh, <laughs> reflection or mirror moments. Uh, I already got some great things. Kelly Wand, I'll bet Kelly Wand's number one inv- involves Amy Smart. Oh. Yeah, don't say anything. <laughs> well, I, I had a couple I was going to take off the table, and I can't remember. Oh crap! Really? Do you? Yeah, uh, never mind. I can't remember. All might involve Amy Smart. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. Uh, Join us for that. So top three reflection moments. I I like this. This should be interesting. Good. Uh, And next week we are uh, going to be doing that, as well as discussing a movie about which we know nothing, as per the advertising campaign. So next week join us as we discuss Catfish. And I have no idea what that is or why we would want to see it or... Don't ask about it. Don't ask about... Yeah, exactly. So uh, make sure you see it because we're going to spoil it for you next week. So uh, mm-hmm. I am Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Meritas... Mert... Murtaugh. Christian Murtaugh. I think I got that right. Mur- Ooh, Murtaugh. I like that. I'm too old for this shit. shit. <laughs> it's Christian Murawski. And uh, Kelly Wand. Deviled eggs make sulfur come out of me. Nem egg tobe rossup nid and my <laughs>